You have arrived. Do not adjust your monitor. Make sure your tinfoil hat is shiny. Lock your doors. If you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting, lie down. If you're driving, please pull over. Swipe and share. Curse and comment. Open debate. Trolls welcome. Resist or mega. Left or right. Darkness or light. Flight or fight. Political turmoil. Innuendo. Lies. Deception. Rhetoric. Fake news. AI. Extremism. Lucifer. And laughs. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. See you all. Hello there. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Boogie Bumper here. Hopefully for the next few hours. Hope you can stick with us. We're going to have some fun tonight. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Good to see you all. Sandra, Christy. All of my lovely ladies, I got accused in the last Periscope. Oh, look at this lighting issue here. Hang on a minute. Let's do this on the fly. Check this out. Ah, ah there you go. <laughs> it's even worse, I think. Yeah, my stage hand hasn't been well lately. Now you can't, now you can't see anything at all. Hang on. <laughs> Maybe I'll get up and I'll I'll fix it in a in a in a clip or something. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, obviously I'm on top of everything. I'm I'm this this production is completely under control. Have no fear, dear listener. <laughs> we got this sorted. We're gonna have fun. So yeah, did everyone enjoy the Trump rally earlier today? Straight off the bat. Did anyone else notice this? I didn't notice anyone say it in the chat, but I was half watching, half watching the rally, half watching the chat, so I can't be 100% sure. He was talking about the wall. We're going to get the wall built. But what he did, he said, look, I just gave $700 billion to the military and we're going to get the wall built. Like one just led into the next. And a few of us have been saying, well, he's going to use the military to build the wall right and that just kind of slipped through but the way that he put it like it was obvious to me he's like look don't worry about the wall 
we're going to get 700 billion. I just got 700 billion for the military. The wall's going to get built. I was like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so I wonder how many people picked up on that in the corporate media. To be fair to the corporate media, though, there were a lot of subconscious dog whistle moments. Probably. I can't hear dog whistles, so I have to take their word for it, unfortunately. So, yeah. Hang on, that light is really annoying me. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> We're going to do this on the fly. Hang on. This this is great. This is great entertainment. <laughs> there we go. Look at that. All done. All better. So yeah, tonight. Anger is a gift. There's a lot of rage. There's a lot of rage out there. Oh, actually, before we go too much further, I better do this just in case anybody missed the breaking news, the bombshell nuclear weapon news today. The radioactive bombshell nuclear atomic bomb news. The big breaking news today. Kavanaugh, he admitted it. He's done. He's out of there. It's finished. It's over. His confession was caught on tape. I tweeted it out earlier, but no one really follows me on Twitter. So I think it kind of slipped through. Actually, it was given to me. It's an audio tape, yeah. So it was given to me, this this tape of Kavanaugh uh, admitting... His error. He, this confession from Brett Kavanaugh was given to me by someone very highly connected. And they said, look, Boogie, we need you to release it because you're a foreigner. You're basically seen as a kind of, you know, bipartisan. So he, he was like, look, we don't want to start like a, a partisan war on this. It just has to get released the right way. And because you're a foreigner, you're pretty much seen as a bipartisan. So nobody's really going to you know say that one side is doing it over another side because really because you're Australian nobody really cares what you think I was like oh cool thanks man but here I do have the exclusive Brett Kavanaugh confession caught live on tape for you let me throw it up for you well beer we've had some great times when I was 17 I drank some very good beer I drank some very good beer I purchased with a fake ID My name was Brian McGee I stayed up listening to Queen When I was 17 Yep. There you have it. I don't know how this is going to affect the midterms. Who knows? But... It's troubling times. Gonna have to find someone else. <laughs> someone else. There you have it. Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> I know, I know. It's trash. That is trash. Tell, tell me how you really feel. That's trash. Actually, just during the um during the Trump presidential rally that we did before, one of my favorite kind of trolls came in. Uh, a guy came in and said to me, uh he said, DW is obviously very dumb. And I laughed and said hello. And then he said something along the line. I think I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, but it was something along the lines of 
typical liberal subhuman scum. <laughs> my my favourite trolls are the one like when I get accused of being a liberal. That's like I'm because I look up to the skies. I'm like it's working, it's working. <laughs> I'm like yes. Thank you for accusing me of being a subhuman liberal scum. <laughs> Friendly troll. And then, he, and then he went away, unfortunately. So, uh, just just for, like, I did notice some people in that rally periscope trying to say to the, to the troll, no, no, you don't understand. We're making fun of CNN and stuff, but don't do that in the future, please. I, I'd rather you just let them, you know, drift. And just let them drift and then maybe at some point like an hour later it'll twig and then i want to be there for that moment like don't deny me that moment <laughs> i want to be there when their world collapses in on itself what you mean he's not a liberal subhuman scum anyway but i love getting accused of that um just a little housekeeping first a little housekeeping sorry to be racist um I want to thank everybody who jumped on and shared and download, downloaded the new podcast that only just started a few days ago. Let me put that up. Just in case you want to check it out uh, on Podbean or iTunes or uh, a YouTube version goes out automatically. So hopefully I can do more podcasts and I want to thank all the guys who downloaded it and shared it and everything like that. It's really good. If you want to support the show, uh, please hit subscribe on your podcast player or head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. And then we'll get bigger and better than ever. Wait, is that boogie in the screen? No. I am a hologram of a hologram. I am actually the, the digital representation of a man who was filmed in the 1930s using an old black and white camera. And that footage was fed into a computer which produces a hologram and then someone else is filming that and putting it on the screen here. So, that's how I get from the 1930s to you. You see Kavanaugh's letter to the WSJ? No, I haven't, no. But we've got a lot of Kavanaugh stuff. Really, that's all that anyone really wants to talk about. So, we'll do plenty of that and we'll have some fun along the way. Who's the dude in the background? That's the dude, dude. You know... You can call him the dude or El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing, you know. But he's definitely not Lebowski. He's the dude. Yeah. All right. So without much further ado, I guess we better get cracking. We've got so much to get through. We will get to the stuff that you sent in on Twitter. Thanks to everyone who engaged on Twitter and sent stuff in because that's my favorite bit is seeing stuff that I haven't seen before. And... It's always a, there's always a surprise. There's always a nugget, a little nugget of gold in there somewhere. The dude abides. So without much further ado, we better rip in with... Now you face the Shredder. Time for the Shredder. Rock and roll. Let's kick it off the right way. Let's see what we got here first of all. Hillary Clinton lays into racist, sexist, anti-LGBTQ President Trump. See, if you didn't like surprises, you know how some people love surprises? And some people hate surprises. I'm someone that doesn't like surprises. 
Like if you come up to me and say, hey, I've got a surprise for you. I'm like, not interested. And everyone goes, oh my God, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I'm not interested. Give me If you give me the thing, then I might like it. See, the thing I don't like about surprises is it's, you know, there's kind of an assumption on you that you have to like it because it's a surprise. <laughs> what if someone's trying to surprise you with something and it's shit and you don't want it? And then, and see, then that's the other thing too. Because it's a surprise, you have no filter there. You can't, you can't mask your hatred for the gift that you're getting. So to me, as somebody who hates surprises and would rather just have it presented as is, I really like Hillary Clinton and the Democrats because there's no surprises. <laughs> Hillary Clinton is not going to surprise you until the day she dies. And even when she dies, that won't be a surprise either. I mean, check it out. Hillary Clinton lays into racist, sexist, anti-LGBTQ President Trump. Wow. What a revelation. Like, I'm surprised they even put it in the headline. Now I'm surprised. <laughs> what? This is a story? This is news? What a surprise. Hillary Clinton has described President Trump as, quote, racist, sexist, and LGBT, anti-LGBTQ. That was close. I nearly outed him. I don't think he was ever in. The former Democratic presidential candidate tore into her 2016 opponent in an interview with the Atlantic editor-in-chief, Jeffrey Goldberg, at the Atlantic Festival on Tuesday, October the 2nd. In the interview, Clinton hit out at the leader's response to the white nationalist, <laughs> white nationalist rally in Charlottesville in August 2017. See what I said? There's no surprises. No surprises. Donald Trump's racist. He hates gay people. He hates women. Charlottesville reference. We, we knew it was coming. I love Hillary Clinton. She said, quote, I think he has thrown his lot in with many people and groups whose stated objective is white nationalism, white supremacy. How can you explain what he did and why after Charlottesville? I don't know. Why don't you explain it for us, Hillary? <laughs> why can't you explain it? Quote, we need a president at moments like that, regardless of party. And we've seen it with what George W. Bush did after 9-11. She's now praising. If you, if you wanted any more evidence that the Democrats have gone <laughs> right over the cliff. Hillary Clinton, get this. Hillary Clinton is now praising George W. Bush for what he did after 9-11. <laughs> Hello. Hello. McFly. Hello. McFly. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. If you could go back to 2012 and say, you know, one day Hillary Clinton will be George W. Bush's biggest fan. People would slap you across the face for lying to him. How, how dare you come up with such egregious fake news, they would cry. Yet here we are. This is not what we got after Charlottesville. This is Hillary. And that remains one of the most troubling episodes in this presidency. There she is in her old lady moo moo. Uh, I love this question. <laughs> are you familiar? Are you familiar with the concept of a loaded question? This one is one for the ages. The editor in chief of the Atlantic, Goldberg, asked asked about Trump's exploitation of the far right. He's now exploiting the far right for political victories, I assume. You know, because the the far right is so popular these days. <laughs> It's like Donald Donald Trump attached himself to the far right to win votes. 
<laughs> Adding, when do you become a racist yourself? If you're taking advantage of racism to advance your own personal goals. That's what he's doing. I didn't know. I didn't know. Did you know that Donald Trump was taking advantage of racism to advance his own personal goals? What are his personal goals? Donald Trump sitting down writing his personal goals. Personal goals and how to achieve them. Enlist the racists. Personal goals. Spread racism. Winning. Winning. <laughs> he's, I tell you, he's a crafty old son of a bitch, isn't he? And, and when do you become a racist yourself? Like, I like it. We can, we can sit here and say with a straight face that Donald Trump is just harnessing the power of the far right and racism to be, to be you know, a semi-popular president. But... At some point, he's going to turn into a racist. <laughs> he's going to like a werewolf. One day, there's going to be a full moon. You know, one day, one day on a dark street illuminated with tiki torches, Donald Trump will make the transformation. He will go through the process of metamorphosis from man to wolf man to racist. Like that. It's a beautiful thing. Clinton responded, what he's what he's doing is broader even than that. He's been racist. He's been sexist. He's been Islamophobic. He's been anti-LGBTQ. There's a long list. If I could just add one more he's been to that list, Hillary, he's also been president. <laughs> Guess who hasn't been president? Surprise! Surprise! He's also been president. He has a view of America that is incredibly constricted, she said. He talks to that America. He talks to them all the time. That America. The constricted America. <laughs> yes. And he also blows on dog whistles, apparently, for the racists. Everybody's already racist, yep. It's by no means a majority, as we know, but it's very hardcore who are responding to him and supporting him for a variety of reasons. Whatever they might be, economic reasons, Supreme Court reasons, some of these other more troubling biases and prejudices, yes. The Trump administration has come under fire for close links with anti-LGBT hate groups on the far right. You know those anti-LGBT hate groups on the far right? The Trump administration has come under fire for close links. Close links. Not just links. Close links. Here's Donald Trump attending a transphobia rally. <laughs> hardline evangelical groups. Ah, oh, those are the hardline LGBT hate groups on the far right. The churchgoers. I didn't even know. <laughs> Denver Night Out, thanks for joining us. She says, I'm black and I'm racist against cornflakes. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's the churchgoers. The churchgoers over there on the anti-LGBT hate far right that Donald Trump dog whistles to. You want to watch a little bit of Hills? Artie Hills? Do you think he's a racist? I think he has thrown his lot in with many people and groups whose 
stated objective is white nationalism, white supremacy. I mean, how could you explain uh, what he did and why after Charlottesville? I mean, we need a president at moments like that, regardless of party. And we saw it. Think, remember what George W. Bush did after 9-11. I like how she's like, we need a president that's better than him. See, you know what? I'm someone, and people who watch this Periscope know this. I'm someone that gives like a lot of time and a lot of uh, rope for people to disagree with me. Like I'm generally pretty respectful. And I give... I give a lot of leeway to Democrats and I give them a lot of credit and people people attack me because I give Democrats and liberals too much credit. You know, by saying things like they're not all crazy. You know, they're not all totalitarian police state warmongers. You know, and conservatives will get angry at me for it, right? But here's the thing, like if you're a Democrat, I don't want to hear about how bad Donald Trump is and how much you hate the Republicans. Here's why, though. And it's got nothing to do with bias, but here's why. If you say that Donald Trump is the worst ever president and the Republicans are the worst thing ever, then what does that make you? In the Westminster system of politics, and the American system is based on the Westminster system, and it's a two-party two-party basis arrangement that we've got going here. There's only two teams in the comp. There's two teams in the division. That's it. And do you know what happens if you get beaten by the worst team over and over and over again for a period of time? It means you're worse than them. So I don't want to hear from Democrats who say this is the worst Republican regime ever and Donald Trump is the worst president ever. Because all that says to me, like that doesn't give me anything other than, you know, a subconscious admittance from you that you acknowledge that your team is a lot worse. So why the hell would I listen to you? Right? Don't get bit. When times are tough, don't get bitter. Get better. That's the way it goes. Uh, another quick story here. This is a fun one. Thomas Cook paint gaff leaves plane displaying very rude message along its side. Here's an example of not thinking things through. This airline came up with a swanky new design that hides a very rude message. There's a little video here about what Australian customs officials confiscate at the airport. I haven't watched it, but it might be funny. Let's check it out. Dried out baby crocodiles. A monkey skull. Okay, that's kind of boring. It's kind of boring and weird. Uh, Thomas Cook has suffered a massive paint job fail on its planes with a rather obscene-looking sentence spelled out on its livery. New designs on the plane reads, I love Cook's Club. Thomas Cook's is some kind of hotel chain. But this looks like something very different when a plane door is open and sides and slides to one side. Here's the plane. <laughs> it's supposed to say, I love Cook's. Instead, it says, I love Cox. New generation hotels, I love Cox. 
This is because the second O looks like a C once the door has changed position. Cook's Club is the British Airlines' new millennial-focused hotel brand. I reckon they, the millennials will be racing to get in to the I Love Cox hotels. That, I think, is like millennial marketing down to a T. <laughs> the millennials love them, apparently. <laughs> Offering zen vibes and amazing cocktails, according to its official webpage. News Hub revealed a plane with the embarrassing problem had been spotted on the tarmac by a passenger. It was overlaid with the words move over Cathay Pacific, another paint job gone wrong. The image has been verified to be true. I love Cox. Um, I, think they're, I think they're missing out on a wonderful marketing opportunity. How about half-price airfares for ladies? Think about it. I want to see a plane full of ladies heading to the Bahamas with I love Cox written on the side of it. I think it would be a fantastic promo. And they're missing out if they don't do it. All right. Before we get to the Kavanaugh stuff, there is something else I did just want to quickly touch on. I assume everybody has already watched and heard about the Kanye West Saturday Night Live, Kanye West. And, like, it's a complicated discussion. I did talk about it in the podcast the other day. And if you want to go back and check out the podcast, you can do so. Just go to iTunes and look for the Daily Boogie. Ah, ah, see that little plug? Got a little plug in there. Everyone loves cocks, apparently. <laughs> Take a little bit off the tip for the men. <laughs> so, you know, I think when we talk about like the totalitarian mindset and why it needs to censor and why it needs to suppress. There, there is a tendency for those of us who are, you know, who love freedom and love liberty to assume that our opponent in this ideological battle, our opponent in this, you know, cultural war is strong. You know, they, they have the keys. They control the avenues to power. They're dominant. They, they dominate the culture, they dominate this, they dominate that. And to an extent that's true, but it's only true in a, you know, in a fabricated sense. It's true in a shallow sense. Because in reality, they're actually weak. Their ideas are weak. They need to censor you and suppress you because of that weakness. If they were strong, if they were dominant if they had complete confidence in their ideas, they wouldn't need to censor. They wouldn't need to know platform people. They wouldn't need to use social tyranny to, you know, enforce conformity amongst people in public spaces. Yes, they're aggressive, but they're not strong. I think they're weak. And as evidence for this, this weakness... You know, the, the mental grip, the, the, the vice grip around the minds of people in the free world, how quickly it can be released. Take, for example, the Kanye West red hat on SNL thing. And sure, they cut it off. They cut it off. It didn't go to TV, but somebody filmed it. A lot of people filmed it, put it out on social media, and it went viral anyway. Here is a guy 
who, with one sentence and one act of wearing a red hat, just shattered a paradigm like that. Because all he has to do is get out there and say, hey, I thought that I'm a free black man in America and that I can do what I want and say what I want. But they were backstage telling me I can't even wear this red hat. Here you have a guy arguing against the slave mentality and being called an apologist to racism for it. If that doesn't show you how weak the censorious totalitarian mindset is, nothing will. If your entire ideology of suppression and control can unravel with the, with the act of one man wearing a red hat on TV, then to my brothers and sisters who love liberty and love freedom, I would ask, what the hell are you worried about? What are you worried about? Sure, a few accounts on Twitter may go bye-bye. Sure, you might get your Facebook account locked. But long-term, long game, one red hat can bring down the strong and seemingly indomitable high-tech world of illiberal totalitarian control. Like that. So I wanted to go to a reaction video from one of my favourite sources, CNN. See what Don Lemon's got to say about Kanye West. Remember uh, Don Lemon, when Kanye first came out and said, you know, hey, maybe we should ease up on President Trump. You know, maybe we need to have more of an open discussion. Maybe we need to share ideas more. Remember Don Lemon came out and said, well, he basically said that, well, this, this shows that Kanye West hates black people now. So, you know what, again, <laughs> again, if you don't like surprises, you should love the Democrats. If you don't like surprises, you should love the corporate media. You can set your watch to them. <laughs> they are more predictable than sunrise and even more predictable than sunset. It's quite incredible. So let's go to uh, Donnie Lemons and his thoughts on the Kanye rant on SNL. Let's rock and roll. Kanye, Kanye, Kanye. Oh, uh, look at the smoke. What do you say about Kanye? A lot. Today he says he wants to end the rift between Colin Kaepernick and President Trump by setting up a meeting. Yesterday, while wearing a red Trump hat, he tweets he wants to abolish the 13th Amendment. You know, the one that ended slavery. That was after changing his name early Saturday to, I don't know if it's Ye or Ye, it's Y-E, I don't know what it is. And later that same <laughs> night, giving several bizarre performances on Saturday Night Live. Bizarre. One where he ranted about... See, look at, look at the headline down the bottom. Kanye's outrageous SNL rant and tweets on the 13th Amendment. Outrageous rant. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. He came out and said, I choose love. I thought because I'm a black man and I'm free in America, I thought I should be able to say what I want. Out outrageous, sir. How dare you. <laughs> And I love the smug, like the feigning. Oh, what's his name now? I don't even know what his name is. Uh, it's like salon talk. 
And I don't mean salon the publication. I mean like salon, like somebody is zhushing your hair while you talk to, you know, your, your girlfriend next to you. Oh my God, did you see Kanye? What's his name now? Yay or something? <laughs> I don't even know. But oh my God, it was outrageous. It was so awful. <laughs> it's, got, it's got that kind of bitchy tone to it. <laughs> Kanye's outrageous rant. How, how, how dare he wear a red hat? How dare he tell everybody how they tried to make him not wear a red hat? How dare he? This is outrageous, sir. Trump and slavery and the uh, media yeah. and plantations, to name a few. Chris Rock was in the audience, <laughs> recorded it and posted like, What was this outrageous rant? See, you can't... See, this is the problem, Don. You can't say it's an outrageous rant and then in your dialogue act like it's nothing at all. <laughs> so you got to make your mind up. If it's nothing at all, then put down there something like, you know, Kanye's... Mostly ignored rumblings. That, that, that'll that work. But if it's an outrageous rant, you can't sit there and say, I don't know, he talked about something like slavery and the media and Donald Trump. See how he, he picks, he cherry picks those particular points and stuffs them all together. Slavery, media, Donald Trump. <laughs> outrageous. Outrageous. But then he acts like it's not a big deal. <laughs> Carry on, Don. Said it on social media. A lot of people did. And sometimes I talk to like a white person about this and I say, how did you like Trump? He's racist. Well, uh, if I was concerned about racism, I would have moved out of America a long time ago. You see, they laughing at me. You heard them scream at me. They bullied me. They bullied me backstage. They said, don't go out there with that hat on. They bullied me backstage. I think the universe has balance. 90% of news are liberal. I felt kind of free. I thought this country said I could be me. No, you can't okay, be you. So it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, so it was very uncomfortable. It's awful, isn't it, Don? Just awful. It's awful. <laughs> I thought this. I thought this country said I could be me. Oh, how offensive! Mm, that makes me shift uneasily in my chair. I don't get it. Uh, the host was Adam Driver. Yep. He left the stage. You could see the oh, cast members were. Some of them were like just had their heads down. Yeah, because they're ashamed um, of themselves. They don't Don. let you leave the show until it's over, and that's 1 a.m. Eastern. The cast members were kind of hiding. Yeah, because what he was saying embarrassed them. <laughs> they were all standing behind him thinking, shit, how can I make this into a racism thing? I know, I'll call Don Lemon. He'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. He, he knows a way. This went on after the show, and people wanted to get up, including us, because we didn't want to listen to that bullshit. And uh... they wouldn't let us out. So Van Jones, Nina Turner, Alice Stewart, and Steve. Oh, the high energy panel. A lot of people got up, including us, because we didn't want to listen to that bullshit. <laughs> what? Think of yourself. <laughs> what bullshit would that be, Don? I thought I was free to say what I want. That's bullshit. That red hat. Bullshit. 
Get that shit off my stage immediately. How dare you? I'm going to have a five-person panel to dismiss <laughs> to dismiss this event, which, which really doesn't mean anything at all, and it was kind of awkward. Whilst at the same time, it was outrageous, and we're dedicating a cable news program to it, unironically. You know, that, that bullshit that Kanye West talked about, you don't even need to worry about that. I don't know. I don't know, Sonia. He was rambling on about something, about slavery and the media and Donald Trump and red hats. I don't know. It's not really important. Tell you what, let's get four other people on here and dedicate 10 minutes of primetime news to it. Yay! That, that'll show everybody how unimportant and irrelevant it was. They're absolute geniuses at CNN. Let's go. Steve Cortez are all here. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Van, I was in the audience at SNL. The worst of it happened after the credits rolled. The cast was uncomfortable as well as the audience. Uncomfortable. Van, was this a publicity stunt? Ah. Uh. You know, it, it's hard to know. I don't necessarily think so. I think that, and I just talked to, to uh, Kim Kardashian earlier today, uh, I think that he is trying to take a stand in his own mind uh, for independence of thought. Uh, I think that he fundamentally feels that um, uh, there's too much of a restriction Did on... Did Kim say uh, that what, to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, so... Uh, so, uh, <laughs> did you yeah, hear yeah. the sigh from? Did you hear the sigh from Don Lemon then? It, do you see the beautiful irony here? Van Jones, Van Jones of all people, Van Jones is saying I spoke to Kim earlier, and he's trying to take a stand against. He believes that there's too much restriction of thought. He then gets cut off by Don Lemon. He says, "Did Kim tell you that earlier?" And then Van goes, yes, yes, she did. And you can just hear this massive, <sighs> like, oh, there's no restriction of thought. <laughs> He's not even listening to you now. <laughs> He's already switched off. He's already out of there. Don's already out of the arena at that point because you haven't said what he wants to hear. Now Don's sitting there looking at Van Jones going, you know what? I don't want to listen to this bullshit. <laughs> Van Jones is now, he's basically wearing a MAGA hat now for Don Lemon. Listen to the, the size, beautiful. Uh, there's too much of a restriction Did on, Kim say uh, that? What, there's too much uh, restriction. Yeah, Cut him off. I mean, yeah, so, uh, so uh, you asked ask the question. <laughs> I think the public, the you sourpuss. I think he, in his own mind, is authentically trying to make a point that I think he's making very, very badly. Sour and I think he's making it in a way that makes it impossible for people to actually uh, take what he's saying seriously. Really? But I don't think that it's, uh, I don't think he's cooking up something in a laboratory to keep himself in the news. I think he actually believes that there is a, a, a suppression of thought. Lucky for Don, Don doesn't have to keep himself in the news. I am the news, motherfucker. Uh, and he wants to be able to take whatever independent stand he wants to take. And that's what he's trying to do. Okay. Okay. All right, Nina. What, what do you think? Does he need a lesson in black history? What do you think of it? What Van said to? Yeah, very much. Even so. Van's I mean, I, laughing I agree at him. Van, I, I, I don't believe it's a oh, no. publicity. They're stuff. all agreeing with Van. That. He has, you know, all of Don Lemon. They're all agreeing with Van. Even Van was laughing at Don Lemon. At the like the the poutiness, the pouting Thomas. Mm. <sighs> he just listens to it and he's like, okay. <laughs> Look. <laughs> K 
Kanye believes that there's some restriction on thought. Hey, wait, hold that thought. Did Kim, did Kim tell you that, Van, when you were talking to Kim? So I guess you and Kim are like really good mates, huh? You and Kim just hang out, talking on the phone, talking about Kanye, do you? Hmm? Hmm? Do you? Hmm? Hmm? Well, yes, actually, that's what Kim said. What about you, Nina? What about you? What do you think? Van pisses himself laughing. Like, okay. Nina agrees with me, Dono. Donny boy. The cachet that is necessary to get any message across that he wants. But, you know, in, in some ways, there are things that are sacred in this country. Sacred. And uh, talking about the history and the legacy of slavery and bigotry and what Africans and then later African-Americans, their descendants, had to endure in this country to take in away. Isn't the whole point of freedom that nothing is sacred when it comes to free thought and freedom of expression? Isn't that generally the rule? I, I would have thought that the thing that's sacred in America is the ability to question things that are apparently sacred. Isn't the sacred quality in America being able to carve up sacred cows and serve them up ice cold on CNN? Isn't that what, what's held sacred in America? The ability to not give one single fuck about what somebody else holds sacred? Say what you want, do what you want. Maybe not, maybe not. Maybe, yes, freedom of expression, yes, but not for this. Not for this thing. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's carry on. ...of their humanity is something that we just don't play with. And so for Kanye to talk about abolishing the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, which was the amendment that abolished slavery in this country, and to talk about those issues in such a flippant way yeah. just is not the right thing to do. He doesn't understand uh, the legacy he doesn't of understand. that. And also how it continues to move and feed in this country even to this day. But wasn't that kind of his point, though? Like, abolish it so everyone can stop talking about it and move on? No, he doesn't understand. We need to keep talking about it because it's sacred and we shouldn't talk about it. What? What? I want to hear from the uh, baby boomer white woman. I'm sure she's going to feel very guilty about something. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I'm pretty sure that she thinks that it's her fault somehow. So this will be good. He said that he was he was trying to make more of a point about you know what prisons. the pri about prisons, but again, well, just make that point, it's, it's, Don. Exactly, just, just make the point. Don't play with it. <laughs> Chattel slavery is not to be played. You know, don't yeah, play with I, it. I agree with you. I agree with you, yeah. but just just for people at home who may not be following this, uh, the 13th Amendment abolishes slavery except for people in prison. And so yes, what he I, was trying to say, well, you know this obviously, Nina, but what yes. he was trying to say is. Uh, you know, let's let's also give freedom to people who haven't who have been incarcerated, etc. But again, he's trying to make a, a, a at least an arguably good point, very very badly. Don, I, Don, I, I think there's a lot to unpack in what he said. Clearly, he touched on many different topics, but one that really resonated with me, and I think a lot of people come on that uh, guilt, may or may guilt. not watch Saturday Night Live, is the overall tone that liberals and uh, those on the left in the Big Apple and Hollywood, even though I know this is uh, filmed in the heart of New York City in, in Manhattan, 
Those on the left often try to dictate how people think, what they wear, what they see, what they watch on television, how they hear their music. And that was the point he was trying to make, I think, overall, is that don't... Uh, she, she disappointed me by saying something relevant. Damn it. <laughs> don't be brainwashed by, by the entertainment industry. And, and he even mentioned those Vanier. in the news. You, and uh, Alice, you don't that think people on the right do the same thing, especially when it comes to religion, how you should feel about God, what you should be able to do with your body, how you should feel about the, the Second Amendment, how you should feel about a lot of things. Don't you think the right does the same thing? But um, no one really calls him out for that. I mean, isn't that more restricted <laughs> by telling people what they can do with themselves and no one really calls him out for that <laughs> he's just he's just rattled off every liberal protest in the last two years <laughs> well don't don't you think that the right uh has you know these kinds tries to tell women what they can do with their body and no one really calls them out for it what the fuck are you talking about don there are thousands of women marching in the streets right now for the right to abort like right now if you look out the studio window at cnn you won't see your car your your car will be covered in a mass of overweight feminists chanting i want to abort my body my choice <laughs> they never stop protesting no one calls them out for it wow <laughs> there must be like soundproof glass on the cnn studio windows so you can't hear the shrieking just a few feet away on the street. <laughs> How they should think about who they should love and who they can be able to marry. Look, he's specifically talking about the, the liberal media and entertainment and specifically pointing out, look, I'm wearing this MAGA hat backstage at SNL and they're trying to tell me to take it off. They're trying to tell me what to wear and what to say. He's, he's calling out what he sees as uh, inaccuracies or trying to, to sway the viewing public when it comes to the entertainment industry. And mm -hmm. the, the, those on the right don't have that avenue. They don't have a Saturday Night Live. They don't have Hollywood in New York. And he's specifically calling that out and also making the point. One thing I disagree on, he's saying, uh, don't so much follow your heart and, or, or your head. I think you should be able to follow your heart and your head. And I just I just saw uh, Dr. Gonzo in the chat, Lucifer Sam. I just have to tell you, you'll be proud of me. Uh, I got accused. Sam is a Democrat, by the way, but he's he's a, he's one of the good ones. You can have a conversation with Sam, Lucifer Sam. Put your hand up. Say hello. You'll love this. I got accused of being a what was what was the term again in that last Periscope with Donald Trump? Uh, typical liberal scumbag shithead or something shit scum, <laughs> whatever it was, libtard scumbag. Typical liberal scum. <laughs> I thought of you because I've seen Sam get accused of being a typical shithead uh, conservative, and he's not. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's wonderful. Absolutely, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Let's carry on. And do things, whether you're making a political statement or entertainment, make, doing it from the heart and from your head at the same yeah. time. And, and there are plenty of conservatives in Hollywood, by the way. But Steve, go ahead. There are plenty of conservatives uh, well, in Hollywood. Plenty, but uh, and, and to that point, Don, I think it's, it's telling <laughs> that in describing... Yeah, there in describing are. Don is uh, really pissed. You called it a rant. You called it bullshit. You called it bizarre. Uh, I don't think you say any of those terms when leftists in Hollywood get up at every single award show. Okay, let me stop. Every point, every point, every point. Let me go. Every point. Let me. Every point. Okay, so that point, you're wrong. Because <laughs> you're it, wrong. in order not to be wrong a rant, what? right, it would have to make sense. What he said did not make sense. To you. <laughs>
Oh, my God. What is happening at CNN? The world is imploding. Van Jones is disagreeing with Don Lemon. Don Lemon's sighing at Van Jones. Oh, God. Okay, well, let's just start it off. You called it a rant, you called it bullshit, and you called it bizarre. Well, well, that's bullshit too. (laughs) Everything I disagree with is bullshit. (laughs) He had to jump on that really quick. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's plenty of conservatives in Hollywood. James Woods, um, Mel Gibson. None of them work anymore. Have you noticed (laughs) the conservatives in Hollywood don't seem to get many jobs these days? That's just bullshit, though. That's bullshit. He kept throwing up topic after topic and not explaining. No, it didn't make sense. And you weren't there. You didn't hear the whole thing. What you heard were you weren't there on the internet. You weren't there. I heard the entire okay. thing. Yes, I did, so, Don. Right. How do you know what I heard or okay. didn't hear? I heard the whole thing, okay. Don. And let me tell you, you know what I heard? I heard him talk about the intolerance of the left. And I heard him say that and they, there it is. they demand right there, right now. You think is the left and they're intolerant, then why would they Ah, home run. Home run. What I heard him talking about was the intolerance of the left. Shut up! (laughs) You didn't hear the whole thing. How do you know what I heard? (sighs) What he he spoke about was the intolerance of the left. Shut up, idiot. That's bullshit. (laughs) Don't you just love it? Absolutely fantastic, fantastic stuff. Oh, it is. It's pure gold. It's pure gold. A little, maybe a little bit more, Don. Invite him there. You think they're I, stupid? Uh, they don't know what Kanye's going to do. You don't I think Kanye do. did all of that right. in rehearsals they, before? And, look, he won't before let the guy the talk. The, whole, the entire week of the show, people were tweeting him, out, Kanye has go, uh, lost his him. mind. He's wearing and a Kaepernick him. shirt and a, and a Donald Trump hat. You don't think they knew that? So why would they invite him there if they didn't want that message right, to get out? Don, this is so tolerant. Did you invite me here to answer questions or just to talk No, I invited you here to tell the truth, and you're not being honest. What lie did I tell? What lie did I tell? You said he made sense. He did not. Uh, (laughs) I invited you here to tell the truth. I saw it all. No, you didn't. I understood it. No, you can't. It was bullshit. (laughs) He was talking about liberal liberal intolerance. No, he wasn't, you idiot. (laughs) Don Levin, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, the soon-to-be unemployed newsreader on CNN. All right. Oh, by the way, more evidence of liberals not calling out conservatives for their political views here, ladies and gentlemen. Mother Jones, thousands of protesters march to cancel Kavanaugh. It's a last-ditch effort to thwart the Republican plan to confirm Brett Kavanaugh by the end of the week. These people are not calling out conservatives. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. This is pretty much Don Lemon's show five days a week. Yeah, I know. I know. It's terrible. But I can't look away. I have to keep watching. Thousands of protesters descended on Capitol Hill on Thursday. That's today. Urging senators to vote against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh just one day before a procedural vote to end debate on Kavanaugh's nomination is set to take place. The powerful display. This display. Powerful. 
came as Democrats and advocates for sexual assault survivors slammed Republicans for moving forward with Kavanaugh's nomination amid a growing belief that the White House significantly curtailed the scope of the FBI's investigation into the sexual assault allegations that have been leveled against Kavanaugh. Countless groups, including the National Council of Churches, the American Bar Association and Jesuit American Magazine, have called for Kavanaugh's nomination to be withdrawn in the wake of Christine Blasey Ford's testimony that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her during a party in the 1980s. Retired Supreme Court Justice John Stevens also waded into the political fight on Friday. I love it. I, don't you just love it when people wade in? In their trunks? Walking awkwardly as the ice-cold waves lash up against their groin and very, very extremely white inner thighs. Voicing concern over Kavanaugh's deeply partisan remarks during his turn before lawmakers last week. So, theme of tonight's show is anger is a gift. Anger is a gift. And I'm going to show you why anger is a gift. It's a gift to the women. It's up to you, ladies. Only female anger can end this madness. This is the new push. I, and I have articles from all around the world regarding this one issue. The, the utilisation and the embracing of female anger. So, ladies, are you ready to get mad? Are you ready to get rowdy up in this motherfucker? Because you, you're going to have to get rowdy. I'm afraid you're going to have to get rowdy if you want, to, if you want justice. Check this out. Let me throw this up. We've got a through to chew through here, so bear with me. Ripley burns it all down. This is one of the more bizarre angles. It comes from Salon, which... Again, is, isn't surprising. Again, I would just like to suggest if you do dislike surprises, make sure you follow liberal media. You will not be surprised. <laughs> Ever. It's very predictable stuff. Ripley burns it all down on aliens and the dangers of dismissing women's rage. Women's warnings have always been ignored. Our trauma dismissed. Ellen Ripley proves men do so at their own peril. Can, can I just straight away say that's complete and utter bullshit? Our trauma dismissed. Dismissed? Why do you think it's like ladies first when the house is on fire? When the Titanic is sinking, they put all the women onto the boats. Female trauma is dismissed? I think not, comrade. <laughs> it's impossible to dismiss it anyway because they're so loud and naggy. Right? Am I right, lads? Am I right? You with me? You with me, boys? Yeah, you with me. Every time... <laughs> wait till you hear this shit. Every time I watch the 1986 action horror classic Aliens, a film I've watched so many times I've lost count, it takes on new meaning. Once upon a time, we used to read things like, say, Aristotle or John Stuart Mill, even Karl Marx, if that's the way you, if you want to putt from the rough, philosophically, but... Aliens, ladies and gentlemen. Bridging the, bridging the gender divide. Aliens. I've long argued its merits as a metaphor for a woman enduring sexism in the workplace. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know where I work, um, there are small, small, hideous little beings bursting out of the chests of my co-workers frequently. 
People are often getting eaten where they ought not to be. This is very, very common stuff in my workplace. And the and the worst the worst part about it is wasn't wasn't the alien a woman as well? Like, isn't the alien a chick? Well, yeah, a female alien. <clears throat> so it wasn't like a woman on woman sort of cat fight, basically. The whole alien movie. I'm pretty sure the alien was a chick. And I would so tap that. I've long argued argued its merits as a metaphor for a woman. Enduring sexism in the workplace due to the many trials Sigourney Weaver's Ellen Ripley faces over the three films. <clears throat> in 1979's Alien, Ripley's, uh, Ripley is an officer on the Nostromo who survives the infiltration of an alien that turns out to be quite the killing machine. It wipes out her entire crew only by getting into an escape pod, setting the cargo ship she's co-commanded to self-destruct and eventually blowing the intruder out of an airlock. In Aliens, oh, spoiler alert, please. How about a trigger warning next time, Salon? I thought you were on top of the trigger warning shit, by the way. Next time, if you're going to ruin the movie for me, can you just let us know, please? In Aliens, the salvage crew discovers her pod floating in deep space where she's been locked up in hypersleep for 57 years and she didn't age a day. Lucky, because if she aged too much, uh, I assume that the patriarchal society on the rescue ship would have just left her floating in space because they would have been like, hey, we don't need another old chick hanging around. We're just going to have to let her go. She's no longer of breeding age. Away with her. <laughs> because, of, because of all the sexism in space, you see. Does the company she's contracted with give her a hero's welcome? No. She's demoted. <laughs> <laughs> Demoted. She's contracted. Uh, oh, she's demoted, and her account of a xenomorph, a creature that gestates inside a living human host, has an extremely hard exoskeleton, a razor-like whip for a tail, and concentrated acid for blood, is dismissed. Oh, poor, poor Sigourney. The sexism, ladies and gentlemen. Sexism up in space. You can you can escape the Earth's gravitational pull, but you can't escape male misogyny can you ladies are you with me are you feeling me i know you're feeling me until that is those things overrun a colony then they believe her but only because they need her as a consultant she's probably getting paid too much too they send her back out into space to solve their problem this time with a band of colonial marines the field project does not go well, but Ripley survives. Again, how come she keeps surviving, but everyone else keeps dying? Does she get compensated by the company? Of course not. <laughs> nope. By the time her employers find her again, she survived another alien killing spree. This time on a prison planet in Alien 3. And spoiler alert, finally, when she gets to the end of the third movie, then we get a spoiler alert. Do you believe it? She's got another alien on board, as in gestating inside her. The violation metaphor represented by the alien and H.R. Geiger's phallic xenomorph design, it looks like a penis, apparently. The alien is a big, scary penis. <laughs> oh, my God. My God. Oh, sign me up for Kanye's bullshit because this stuff is way out there. 
this stuff is further out there than the floating space station that's you know being surrounded by alien xenomorphs represented phallically the the, the aliens that look like penises that <laughs> gestate inside women is a sign of sexism in outer space because of this because she has nearly worked herself to death but finally has a project that's worth something to the company, likely for its potential as a bioweapon, its representatives offer offer to save her. She declines and exits the workforce by way of jumping into a flaming hot furnace. Okay. Fantastic. Anger is corrosive, but it's a vital... This is The Guardian, known right-wing hate website. Promoting hate. We're now promoting uh, anger in the community, believe it or not. Remember, Remember when that was a bad thing? Promoting anger. Not for the ladies. Nope. We need more anger. <clears throat> we need more rage. If we're ever going to defeat this Nazi in the White House, we need more women, more angry, more of the time. Anger is corrosive, but it's a vital weapon for women in Trump's America. No, no justice, no seat. One of the discussion points to have come out of the Brett Kavanaugh hearings has been the question of anger and what women do with it. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was the question on everybody's lips after watching that. I, wa- I wonder how the angry women feel about this. Yeah, Someone stick a microphone in front of them. Stat! Specifically, where and how they manage to stuff it down so low it doesn't spill out and get them labelled as lunatics. See, this is a myth. This is a myth. This is a complete construction. Women aren't allowed to be angry. Again, if you have been paying attention for the last three years, all I've seen on television and in protest marches and in conversation with is angry women. They're not afraid to be angry, you know. They they don't think that they have some special rule that says that they're not allowed to be angry. There's plenty of them out there angry. Like, you don't need to promote it. It's fine. Anger can take care of itself. Anger is going to be there. I watched the Kavanaugh hearings with horror and a certain amount of detachment. Detached horror. While female friends texted to say that they were in tears... I believed I had it under control. There is simply too much bad news to be undone by it daily. Well, ha. Huh. On Tuesday night, Trump addressed a rally in Mississippi and in one of his extemporized asides, poked fun at Christine Blasey Ford. How dare he? I had one beer and that's the only thing I remember, he jeered, citing her testimony. While behind him, the crowd hooted and cheered. And there it was, the kind of adrenaline surge that in movies can only be illustrated by someone putting their fist through a wall. Or, if you're a fan of early 1980s science fiction, ladies and gentlemen, can also be defined and illustrated by a phallic alien impregnating unwitting, unwilling female hosts. Quote unquote. Anger is not a useful destination. But it is, in some circumstances, supposed to be a useful galvanising agent for political change. And that is surely beginning to happen. See, this stuff doesn't worry me at all. I want, I want Democrats to be angry. So they should be. So they should be. Again, if you're a Democrat, I, I, I need to repeat this. If you're a Democrat, I don't want to hear from you 
Like, you know, everyone knows I'm pretty fair with this stuff. If you're a Democrat, I don't want to hear from you how awful Trump is and how awful the Republicans are and how they're the worst regime that's ever been in control because in a two-party system, that just means that you're worse. That's all I hear. Like, we're worse than that. We couldn't beat the worst team ever in a two-team competition. Well, sucks to be you then. I'm someone that thinks a good government requires a strong opposition to keep them in check. And if you can't provide the strong opposition, then you don't blame the people that beat you. Sorry. Female voters are predicted to be, quote, highly motivated to turn out. American friends are spending their weekends canvassing in marginal seats, and most of the women I know are angrily revisiting their own traumatic experiences questioning the extent to which they were made to feel culpable. All of these actions are good and right, as is posting angrily on Twitter. (laughs) Well, maybe not that. But in my experience, rage needs to find more visceral outlets, and they are never particularly rational. So here we are now promoting visceral, irrational outlets for female rage, ladies and gentlemen. In this alone, perhaps one can identify with Trump, Part of his viciousness in Mississippi on Tuesday is assumed to have come from his anger at the New York Times, which that morning ran its investigation into the wealth he inherited from his father and the alleged tax fraud Fred Trump got away with. The president couldn't get at the Times, so he said something that could would mortify those who agreed with it, like the guy who has a bad day at work and kicks the dog or his wife on his way in through the door. Bravo, Guardian, yes. Yeah, Donald Trump couldn't get at the New York Times because Donald Trump never, ever criticises the media. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's what happened. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Donald Trump's afraid of the New York Times, so he went after a, a victim of sexual assault instead. It's like kicking your dog or your wife when you get home from work. <laughs> oh, my God. The Guardian just gets better and better. We know this. There have been countless other equally horrendous examples of Trump's sociopathic meanness. <laughs> but this was the one that deranged me. And as I sat alone on the sofa watching the spe- speech on my phone, I briefly cried, then felt a violent urge a violent surge I had nowhere to put. That came out uselessly the next day on the subway when a guy slammed into me on the platform and I yelled, Hey, douche wank! <laughs> yes, 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 yes! Listen, listen to what you're hearing here. The next day, some poor guy bumps into her on the train station. She calls him a douche wank. She yelled at him. I yelled at him, hey, douche wank. Guess what? We've just found something else that is also Trump's fault. (laughs) It's all Trump's fault. Hey, douche wank. Sorry. Look, I'm not normally angry like that, but I was watching Donald Trump on my sofa last night on the phone, and I've just had repressed rage ever since. (laughs) Yeah. These are the people that I want to be listening to when it comes to politics. People who yell at innocent people on subways, calling them douchewanks, and then blaming the president for it. (laughs) 
It is personal, of course. There are those who can help, uh, who can whip themselves into outrage on behalf of the marginalised everywhere. Wow, this is this is appropriate in the Guardian. Milder versions of what Larissa McFarquhar in her book *Strangers Drowning* categorises as people living in a state of moral extremity. That is those who feel strangers' pain as keenly as their own families. Most of us don't function this way. When Republican men engage with sexual assault by <laughs> Most of us don't feel strangers' pain. I mean, take the Republican men, for example. With sexual assault by when Republican men engage with sexual assault by citing concern for their daughters, they are disparaged for their lack of imagination. But I have always thought it an unfortunate political consequence of a universal tendency. We feel things more strongly the closer they are to home. As I watched Trump mock Ford, my brain fired an image of my daughters sleeping in the next room or survivors of sexual abuse in my family. And within seconds, there was murder in my veins. The urge to kill rising. Rising. Urge to kill rising. Hey, douchewank. I'm sorry, it's the president's fault. And so women are livid this week. Just this week. Okay, that's optimistic. Statistically, it is likely... Oh, hang on. What have we done here? The Australian beauty industry ignores black women. Oh, okay. That's quite the link to go from angry women to black women. How dare you, Guardian? Disgusting racist. So women are livid this week. Statistically, it is likely that even if we are... Even if we ourselves have escaped, every single one of us knows someone who has been sexually or physically assaulted. And who, for all of this talk of witch hunts and the downfall of men, has watched the perpetrator go unpunished or worse, lauded or rewarded? What are we supposed to do, she asks? Go kickboxing? Eat another biscuit? Or, what feels like for the first time in history, take up the option of being rabidly, implacably furious in public? That, like, it's like it hasn't been happening. Like the like the Democrat women protest anger has not already happened yet. I know in today's modern era, like I know with social media and the interconnected nature of communication as it is now, the level that it is now, I know that we kind of laugh at the mainstream media for being a little bit slow when it comes to stories. Like if you see breaking news as a headline on the news you know it's already happened six hours ago, generally speaking, right? But this takes being a little bit slow on the uptake to a whole new stratospheric level. (laughs) Here we have, here we have the liberal mainstream media saying it's about time women got out in public and got angry about Donald Trump. Right. And would you like room service delivered to your cage, this, uh, to your cave this morning? Would you like me to lift up your rock and vacuum the rug for you? What have you been doing? 
Where have you been the last two years? They must work them really hard down at the Guardian because I would suggest she has been chained to a typewriter and has not walked outside in at least 24 months. Absolutely incredible. It gets better. We're sticking with the theme. We're sticking with the theme. Let me just load up another one here for you. Let's let the good times roll. Your anger is a gift. Houston Public Media. Allowed to be angry. Women rage and the way forward. Because whether it be at work or at home, in public or in private, women, especially women of colour, yes, we had to inject racism in there, even though it was white man versus privileged white woman, and it's all about white rage. Don't forget the women of colour. They they can be angry too. Lest they be labelled, quote, emotional, irrational, or hysterical. Displays of female anger can cost them their reputation, their relationships, their careers, and in William's case, $17,000. Why are men allowed and even encouraged to be mad while women are so often punished for it? That is just one of the questions award-winning writer, activist, and director of the Women's Media Media the Women's Media Center Speech Project seeks to answer. Christine Blasey Ford's testimony resonates in a similar way. Throughout the hearing, Blasey Ford's voice broke several times, but she never raised her voice or interrupted. Judge Brett Kavanaugh, on the other hand, shouted and wept and shot back at senators who questioned him about his drinking habits. And then that's all she's written in drinking habits, but I would also add in brackets and accusations of being a gang rapist. Just, to, you know, wasn't just about the drinking habits. Now, was it? Was it now? Dr. Brittany Cooper has one suggestion outlined in her thesis about eloquent rage. <clears throat> she told the Washington Post what that meant. Eloquent rage is a way to think about black women's anger as a political response. <laughs> God! What isn't a political response? Rather than thinking about anger as an emotion, we should attempt to quell or suppress that anger is the emotion that keeps us honest. Typically, when you see black women's anger being expressed in public, it is in response to systemic levels of injustice. And that anger is what I call clear and expressive. Okay, so good anger, bad anger. When black women are angry, it's because of racism. Like, this is like the last article. Like, this is just an exercise of putting the emotional cart before the horse. This lady here, anger is corrosive, but it's a vital weapon for women in Trump's America. She watched the Trump rally. She felt angry. The next day, she wrote it herself. The next day, bumps into a guy in the subway, yells at him, calls him a douche wank, blames Donald Trump. So white female anger is because of Donald Trump. Black female anger is because of racism. Got it? You got it, kids? Are you down with that? Are you taking notes? Just so you know. So if you see a white or a black angry person in the street from now on, you'll know what to do. (laughs) You'll know how to address the problem. There is no other solution. There is no other way. The Sydney Morning Herald. Women, we must embrace our anger. This is now article number five, I think, of saying that we need to promote female anger immediately, that female anger is a wonderful force for political change, and now is the time 
despite the fact that females have been marching in the street angrily for the last two and a half years. <laughs> I know. I know what we need. More anger. Okay. Okay, then. Well, I'll, I'll make sure I try to stay out of your way. <laughs> yes, yes. Jennifer Briggs, you can tantrum whenever you want. Whenever you want. It's Donald Trump's fault. When Christine Blasey Ford appeared before a U.S. Senate committee late last week to give testimony regarding the historical sexual assault uh, she alleges to have suffered at the hands of Brett Kavanaugh, it was her immense dignity that left the most lasting impression. With a measured voice that belied the memories she was being forced to relive, Dr. Blasey was professional and controlled, repeatedly offering her apologies that she couldn't be more helpful. I'm so sorry. As it was, she described how much she remembered Kavanaugh and his friend, Mark Judge, pinning her down on a bed in a secluded room and attempting to remove her clothes. Indelible in the hippocampus is the laughter, she testified. The uproarious laughter between the two men and their having fun at my expense. Perhaps Dr. Blasey Ford would have liked to have been angrier. Goodness knows the millions of women watching that day, not just from within America but also around the world, felt that deep rumble of fury rip through us all. It's You could almost say at this point they're all reading from the same hymn sheet, couldn't you? You might almost suggest that they're all saying the, the kind of the same thing. All different sources, all different women, all the same narrative. Damn, you know, if only Don, if only Don Lemon was here to tell us how this is all bullshit and it doesn't happen. I think we need to hear. I think we need to hear more from Don Don Lemon on the topic of female rage, don't you? I don't know anyone else who can steer us straight when it comes to the topic of female rage. <sighs> As scars we've held dormant across our own bodies and memories suddenly tore open once again and began to flood us with pain we thought we'd sealed long ago. It's fantastic writing, don't get me wrong. Technically, the writing is absolutely fucking superb. I wish I had have written it. <clears throat> but anger belongs to men. And so Dr. Blasey Ford could not appear before the world and show what the rage of abuse and trauma really looks like. See... She wasn't, she wasn't getting enraged because she was in control and she was in, her, she was in control of her emotions. Why? Because of the negative stereotype about female rage from men. Men like Justice Brett Kavanaugh. And it's not fair, right? The privilege, say, of being able to attend the kind of expensive elite all-boys school that looks good on an application to Yale Law the school your grandfather graduated from, the privilege also of being able to drink beer, lots of beer, enough beer to get drunk and perhaps not even remember everything he did while in that state. My wife drinks beer. My wife drinks beer. Maybe I, I didn't even realise. I haven't even thought of it. I must be a terrible husband. Maybe my wife only drinks beer because she is repressing uh, female rage that I give her from my privilege subconsciously and she's trying to be more like a man, you know, to get on with me or something. Because she feels like she has to stomach beer in order to be my friend. Maybe that's, maybe that's what's going on here. In that case, I apologise terribly. 
please feel free to get angry. Call me a douchewank. I don't care. Enough beer to get drunk and perhaps not even remember everything he did while in that state, but never be held responsible for any lack of, quote, common sense that occurred as a result of it. The privilege of growing up male in an era that explicitly represented sexual assault in popular movies as some kind of hilarious joke that red-blooded young men get themselves involved in, but never have to face the consequences for. Ah, yes. That's what's happening. The early 80s was just a big promotion of sexual assault in, in Hollywood. Right. Right. There's never been any kind of powerful woman on screen. Never. <laughs> and yes, the privilege of standing in front of a Senate committee and behaving like a belligerent, petulant child. See, his anger is that of a belligerent, petulant child. Her anger is repressed sexism. Knowing with absolute certainty that this won't impact his professional reputation in the slightest. Oh, yes, because anger belongs to men. This won't, this won't affect his professional prospects going forward at all. Being accused of being a gang rapist. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Yeah. See, that's the beautiful part. They'll say that this isn't going to this isn't going to hurt his professional career, and then of course, if he does, if it does hurt his professional career, they'll say, "Well, good. It's about time someone didn't have their privilege for once." You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this isn't going to hurt your career because you've got privilege. Next thing you know, his career's over, and they'll be like, "Good. It's about time we dismantled white privilege." Okay, okay, okay. I think I've got another one here. Yep, here's another one. From Slate, the known right-wing conspiracy website. The Kavanaugh hearings have fired uh, have women fired up to vote Republican? What? 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 This isn't what I come to Slate for. Please explain. The accusations of sexual assault against Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh have widely perceived have are widely perceived to be a boon to Democrats heading into the midterm elections in November. The women of this country identify with Dr. Ford and will not forget what is happening here. Near attend and the president of the Center for American Progress told NBC News. Quote, they are not angry, they are furious. And I expect the largest women's turnout in a midterm ever. Yes, apparently all of the publications are telling us how angry the women are. Funny, isn't it? They're all trying to say how angry the Democrat women are about all this. And how it's a good thing. How they need to get out there and funnel their anger into a useful exercise. Sam says, this sex assault, Trump flashbangs, it's all one point, one giant distraction. The cities will get even richer. Well. You live in a city. Why don't you send a little cash my way? Patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. There you go. How's that? How'd you like that one? <laughs> Capitalism, baby. The women of this country... Oh, we wrote that part. They are not angry. They're furious. I expect the largest women's turnout in the midterm ever. In fact, however, the Kavanaugh spectacle seems to have evaporated the Democrats' enthusiasm edge. According to a poll conducted Monday by NPR, PBS NewsHour and Marist in July, Democrats were likely up by 10 percentage points to say the November elections were, quote, very important. 
That gap has now narrowed to a statistical tie. The result of the hearings, at least in the short run, is the Republican base has awakened, Maris head Lee Mirengroff told NPR. The change is particularly striking when comparing women in the two parties. Of, I, I suppose that uh, female anger would be a good thing for the Democrats, but a bad thing. If you're, if you're a Republican voter and you have white female anger, if you have female anger and that's going to spur you to go out and vote for Republicans, there will be editorials in the same, in the same pages where the, where the opinion writers were saying, we need to embrace female anger. It's about time women got angry. If a whole bunch of Republican women get angry and then go out and vote, they'll be saying, we need to do away with female anger. It's racism. It's white privilege. <laughs> then they'll just say, okay, okay. Only women of color can be angry. And you need to vote. You need to vote out that anger. The white women, stay the fuck calm. Just chill. Chill. I mean, if the white women are gonna, if the white women are gonna get angry and vote for Republicans, they need to chill the fuck out, homie. Okay. White women angry bad. <laughs> women of color angry good. That'll be the new narrative going forward. Republican women seem invigorated. In July, 81% of Democratic women said the November elections were very important compared to 71% of Republican women. Now, Republican women are four percentage points likelier to view the midterms that way, 83 to 79. That's a 14-point swing in female voters' interests in the midterms after the hearings in the Republicans' favour. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. See, I think this is a very interesting conversation to have going into the midterms because this is this is the kind of stuff I really dive into and I enjoy. You know, numbers I've politics so will you know how close are the races you know what are the demographics of the senate seats that are up and the and the, the you know the big swinging congressional seats what were the turnouts last time and how much would you need to flip i heard something else this morning that apparently the largest uh, number of new voters registering this time out it's about 800,000 which obviously in a country of you know over 300 and what is it 320 million plus change 330 million uh, that's not a big number but if you consider that you might only need 5000 votes here or 2000 votes there and 5000 here and 10000 there and 1000 there if you can spread that 800,000 votes out over all of the marginal seats then all of a sudden you could flip 60 seats like that so that's why you shouldn't dismiss it it all depends on where those 800,000 are and what the margins are and what the swing required is for that seat to flip. So um, I, I would be very worried if I was a red state Democrat senator right now. Very worried. Look, just my personal opinion, I think the strategically, tactically, the way that the Democrats have played this Kavanaugh thing has been one of the most pathetic performances I've ever seen in politics. Not like... Not just American politics, like any 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 political situation I've ever seen in in a Western country ever. It is one of the dumbest things that I've ever seen. The way the Democrat leadership have sat down and decided to play this, like it could only end badly. Because what they needed to do is they needed to win, so they needed to get Kavanaugh to drop out. So it's like a big hail mary play. 
And that's why I tend to agree with people who say, no, you don't drop Kavanaugh. You don't drop him. You push him through. You push him through. And, you know, some people say, well, what about the accusations? What about the alleged sexual assault and stuff? You say, don't worry. Just You just push him through. Because I think that's like the last, that's like the last, that's taking wind out of the, um, out of the, you know, out of the lungs with that last punch to the guts. Because if, if he steps down or the Republicans lose their bottle and they replace him, then the Democrats can claim a win and then they can march on it. But if they just push through and they ignore it, then all of a sudden it's like it's a long way back from there. Because then it's like complete ineffectiveness and all they've done is piss off a lot of people. And they've pissed off the wrong kind of people. They haven't energized the people that they need to energize and they've pissed off the people that they can't afford to lose in the seats where they can't afford to lose them. In those seats where there are blue senators hanging on by the by their fingernails in red states. <clears throat> and that's exactly what has been targeted here. Maybe we'll play a little clip where now now the narrative, now the assumption is that the <laughs> that the Republicans are doing this on purpose. To, to use it as an election issue to win votes. <laughs> to that, I was like, all oh, right. Maybe the Republicans found Blazy Ford and did it, did it to this guy just to win votes. <laughs> Maybe we'll go to a clip. Uh, well, first, we've done female rage and why it's important. So let's, uh, let's juxtapose, juxtapose that. Oh, it's been a long day. The trauma for a man, male fury and fear rises in GOP in defense of Kavanaugh. The sexual assault, you don't even need to know that this is from the Washington Post. I think you probably already do. The sexual assault allegations against Supreme Court nominee Brett M. Kavanaugh have sparked a wave of unbridled anger and anxiety from many Republican men. Male, Repub male anger bad, female anger good. Are you keeping up? Are you taking notes? who say they are in danger of being swept up by false accusers who are biased against them. Perish the thought. From President Trump to his namesake son to Senator Lindsey Graham, the howls of outrage crit crystallize a strong current of grievance within a party whose leadership is almost entirely white and overwhelmingly male. <laughs> white male anger. White male anger is the new platform of the Republican Party. I don't get angry often, so it's fine by me. I don't care. <clears throat> Whatevs, yo. Have you heard of QAnon? No, never heard of it. Is that, are they a band or something? Are they a band? Where they play like Scar? I'm not into that whole Scar punk crossover thing, to be honest. Uh, this outbreak of male resentment now seems likely to play a defining role in the midterm elections just five weeks away. Contrasting with a burst of enthusiasm among women propelling democratic campaigns and inspired by the national Me Too reckoning over sexual assault and gender roles. I've got boys and I've got girls. And when I see what's going on right now, it's scary. Donald Trump Jr., a father of five small children, said in an interview with the Daily Mail TV on Monday. Asked whether he was more worried about his sons or daughters, Trump Jr. said, right now, I'd say my sons. Well, that's male privilege for you. The rallying cry was Kavanaugh's enraged plea of innocence before the Senate Judiciary Committee, which heard emotional testimony from Christine Blasey Ford, 
that Kavanaugh sexually assaulted her at a house in suburban Maryland at a house. <laughs> Which house? We don't know. <laughs> but a house. Suburban Maryland when she was 17. Uh, when he was 17, she was 15. Okay. Angry male fury. New York Times. GOP hopes anger over treatment of Kavanaugh propels voters to the polls. It's all a setup. It was all a scam. QAnon played their last show a month ago. Oh, good. There you go. Sad to see him go. I didn't even know they were here. Washington. President Trump and his conservative allies now see their effort to confirm Judge Brett M. Kavanaugh as central to salvaging the Republican Party's fortunes in the midterm elections and hope to use the fervent liberal opposition to his nomination to the Supreme Court as a graphic example of the threat posed by a Democrat return to Congress. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. What do you what do you mean hoping to use? They don't have to even do anything. <laughs> the Republicans are batshit crazy enough. All you have to do is follow Cory Booker around for a day. He'll say something. Don't worry about it. Just follow Elizabeth Warren around for a day with a camera. She'll say something. Kirsten Gillibrand, she'll say something stupid. You've just got to be there to capture it. You don't you don't have to try to use it. It's already there. It's, they're already pumping them out all across the corporate media, day in, day out, 24 hours a day, saying how this is promoting rape culture, this is angry white men, this is disgusting, Donald Trump's a Nazi, all of that shit. You, you don't have to try very hard to make them look crazy. They do a really good job of it themselves. The increasingly aggressive attacks on Judge Kavanaugh's main accuser and the dark warnings about Democrats from his supporters are part of an effort to harness Republicans' outrage over what they see as a Democratic plot to steal a pivotal Supreme Court seat. <clears throat> what the Kavanaugh controversy has done is increase Republican voting intensity so that it is approaching Democratic intensity, which is already through the roof. And see, that's bullshit. We know that uh, Republican Democrat turnouts were low even in California. Look at New York, like record lows, so much so that this unhinged socialist got through and won a nomination. If if voter engagement was up, there's no way that Ocasio-Cortez wins that, wins that race at all. None. Republicans perceive that Judge Kavanaugh is a man who has led an upright and honourable life, certainly as an adult, and feel like his reputation is being trashed and his nomination is being railroaded. But even as Senate Republicans are increasingly confident that Judge Kavanaugh will be confirmed, <clears throat> some party leaders fear his confirmation could dissipate some of the anger and sap the party of a powerful source of energy. To keep that anger alive... So here's the thing. Now they're arguing that Republicans really don't want Kavanaugh to be confirmed. That they really want, <laughs> they really want a longer FBI investigation, perhaps. They really want Michael Avenatti out there for longer accusing him of gang rape. This is the plan. This was this was their wily scheme all along. <laughs> Those devilish Republicans, my God. This isn't even 4D chess. This is like 12D intergalactic battle chess now at this point. The Republicans found Blazy Ford. The Republicans hired Michael Avenatti. <laughs> <laughs> they want to drag it out as long as possible right up to the midterms to motivate the Republican base 
But even as Senate Republicans are increasingly confident that Judge Kavanaugh will be confirmed, some party leaders feel his confirmation could dissipate some of the anger and sap the party of a powerful source of energy. To keep that anger alive, conservatives like Matt Schlapp, chairman of the American Conservative Union, argue that the intensity with which the Democrats went after Judge Kavanaugh should frame for Republicans the threat posed by the loss of one or both chambers of Congress in November. Democrats don't just disagree with Trump, they hate him and they want him in prison, Mr. Schlapp said. The Kavanaugh confirmation is the personification of that. Wonderful stuff. Uh, One more here from the New York Times. And then we'll play a couple of clips. Kavanaugh borrows from Trump's playbook on white male anger. (laughs) Tony Gardner, 60-year-old retired pipe fitter from Robbinsdale, Minnesota, flipped on... Or is that Minneapolis? I I can't remember. On Fox News on Thursday to watch Brad, uh, Judge Brett M. Kavanaugh indignantly defend himself against an accusation of sexual assault from decades ago. If anything, Mr. Gardner said, was Judge Kavanaugh was too timid in trying to refute the claims against him. He's probably perfect for the job, but the questions they're asking are the wrong ones. For many conservatives, especially white men, who should... Really, seriously, there comes a point, doesn't there, when you just have to be like, like you just want to slap these, these liberal journalists on the forehead and go, are you thick or something? What is it about the last two years that's confirmed to you that you go about this in the right, in the correct, in the correct way? Like you're trying, you're trying to, you know, get involved in politics. You're trying to drive public opinion. What are you fucking stupid? You give me the budget that CNN and the New York Times have. I'll I'll take down Trump like tomorrow. I wouldn't want to, but I could. I'd do a lot better job than these idiots. My God. They are dumb. These people are dumb. For many conservatives, especially the white men. (laughs) Do you realize how many people switch off at that point? I don't because I find it amusing. Has become a rallying cry against a liberal order that they argue is hostile to their individual rights, political power and social status. Judge Kavanaugh's claim that Democrats wielded the sexual assault allegation to try and sink his nomination has been fiercely disputed on the left, but resonated among conservatives suspicious that the real agenda is to hurt the president. Suspicious. Oh, it's just a suspicion. It's an unfounded suspicion that <laughs> that Democrats are trying to hurt the president. Oh, no, they, in reality, they fucking love the guy. Oh, I can't wait to get Donald Trump over for a barbecue, mum. He's just the best. <laughs> No, the the white men, the conservative, the young conservative white men, they have this unfounded suspicion that Democrats are out to hurt the president. What the fuck are you talking about, bro? It's incredible. All right, and one more from the known right wing, uh, right wing hate conspiracy website Politico. Touched on this earlier. GOP leaders all but guarantee Kavanaugh confirmation. Obviously, must be fake news. Must be fake news, Politico. They should be banned off the internet. Like all the other fake news pushers. Uh, All right, let's see what Morning Joe had to say about Brett. Oh, do we want to go Morning Joe? Or, no, I'll tell you what, we'll do Jake. We'll do Jake. Let's go to Jake Tapper. 
President Trump is using the wrangling over Brett Kavanaugh to score political points and take jabs at Democrats with <laughs> the FBI report in and Republicans on Capitol Hill optimistic and enthusiastic. See, Jake's, Jake's not too bad. He's probably the best one on CNN, but even in that one little sentence, you've got to be quick. President Trump is using the, wrang the wrangling over Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, you mean the thing where he was accused of being a gang rapist? Oh, that's the wrangling. Okay. Oh, he's using that to score political points. Well, what are the other people doing? Oh, they're only f they're fighting for justice. <laughs> See, President Trump using using the accusations of gang rape against Brett, K Brett Kavanaugh in a soulless attempt to try and score political points. Oh. <laughs> I, lo I love how sometimes apparently it's it's bad to try and score political points, but then other times it's perfectly fine and reasonable. It is po it is called politics. How about this? Moving forward, if you want to start on a level playing field, how about you just assume that everybody is always trying to score some kind of political point in politics? That's a great place to start. If you start there, you'll never be surprised and outraged about anything that happens. You just assume that it's all about scoring political points because, again, that's why it's called politics. Let's carry on, Jake. Enthusiastic that Kavanaugh will be confirmed. The president said just moments ago in Minneapolis he thinks Kavanaugh is doing very well. Let's bring in CNN's Caitlin Collins, who's traveling with President Trump. What do you got to say, Caitlin? Caitlin? With the Kavanaugh vote even closer, what are we expecting to hear from President Trump when it comes to Kavanaugh at his rally this evening? Well, Jake, aides say it's almost guaranteed that President Trump brings up Brett Kavanaugh tonight because this is his third rally this week. And with each one, we've seen him grow increasingly tougher in his attacks on Christine Blasey Ford, <laughs> the woman who has accused Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault. And what we are seeing, Brett, or what we are seeing the president do with Brett Kavanaugh is channel his anger over the delay his in his confirmation here, Jake, into what he thinks could be a winning strategy uh. in the midterm elections this fall. Don't you love how CNN reporters now know what President Trump thinks? <laughs> they don't they don't even know what he says half the time. Now they're trying to tell you that they know what he thinks. President Trump thinks this is a winning strategy. Well, if I'm I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb here. If you think it's a winning strategy, then I'm pretty sure that at this point President Trump isn't thinking what you're thinking. <laughs> and if you if you think that President Trump is thinking something, then that would be a losing strategy. If you have the same if you have the same thought, if you line up all of your strategy ducks in a row, start popping them off with your BB gun. Ding, ding, ding. If you think it's a winning strategy, then he's not thinking that. Trust me, Mr. President. President Trump keeping quiet this afternoon they can as read the White by. House holds its breath while senators review the FBI report into the sexual assault allegations against his Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. White House Deputy Press Secretary Raj Shah confident the report doesn't back up the claims made against Kavanaugh. Uh -oh. We believe that all the Senate's questions have been addressed. And the White House pushing back on criticism they limited the FBI investigation. We allowed the FBI to do exactly what they do best. We haven't micromanaged this process. Officials fully aware it will all come down to crucial votes. We are fully confident 
after reviewing this information, senators are going to be com comfortable voting yes. President Trump started the week furious and frustrated by the delays in Kavanaugh's confirmation. I, my family's been destroyed by this. But now he believes Kavanaugh could be a rallying cry, helping Republicans shore up much-needed support in the midterm elections just weeks much away. Much-needed support. The president has hit the road three times this week ah. with a fourth trip on his schedule to stump for vulnerable Republicans. But to stump for vulnerable Republicans in Minnesota. <laughs> In Minnesota, all of those vulnerable Republicans in Minnesota. Wow. Okay. Let's do this one and then we'll get to your stuff. Then we'll get to the stuff that you sent in. Hope you're enjoying us. Thanks for sticking around. By the way, just another little plug. If you want to get the new podcast on iTunes or Podbean, hit the subscribe button. And if you want to support the show, head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. All right, Brooke Baldwin, one of my favorites on CNN. Uh, this is this is a this is one of her. I think she cooked this one up herself. Uh, this is somewhat of a conspiracy theory. I hope you're ready. And I'm not sure that she wants to go here. I don't, I'm not sure she wants to open Pandora's box now. But we're gonna do it. We're gonna, we're doing it. We're doing it now. Wait till you see this. Wait until you see this one. This will this will blow your hair back. This will tickle your pickle. It can be challenging. Even exhausting covering the Trump presidency. I know, Every time I we know. think we've seen a new low, there's lower. <laughs> One surreal day and after they go another, low, we go high. there is a tendency for things to be normalized, elicit a shrug. Well, uh, today is not one of those days. No. You can question the claims by Christine Blasey for. Oh, good. You can question Thankful. whether Brett Kavanaugh is guilty of those claims. Okay. You can be torn on who to believe. Thank you. But instead, the president of the United States mocked Blasey Ford, ah. a, a woman who was terrified to ah. speak her truth, but pushed through her tears to yep. do what she said was her civic duty for all the world to see. Yep. How did you get home? I don't remember. How'd you get there? I don't remember. Where is the place? I don't remember. How many years ago was it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What neighborhood was it in? I don't know. Where's the house? I don't know. Upstairs, downstairs, where was it? I don't know. But I had one beer. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> I'll let his oh, words that look. speak for themselves. That look. Stop it, bro. But here's the thing. We already know who President Trump is, how he feels about these things, that he can lack civility and decency on the <laughs> most sensitive of issues. Yeah. Than anything is consistent fashion. The president is using Professor. I thought she just said that you can have an opinion. You can choose who you believe. Not the president. Nope. He's not. He's not allowed to say anything. Like that's the other thing too. Um, you you can you can all say whatever you like, but the most powerful guy in the world, he can't. No, we're telling him that he can't say things. See, uh, Donald Trump. You he can't mention. He can't say anything about this topic. And he, he just puts up a middle finger. He's like, no, yeah, say what I want. Say what I want. Thank you very much. And they can't hear. They hate that. They hate that. But it gets even better. Watch this. Ford's experience is a punching bag to gin up a base. To play I, I think a lot of it is, I th here's the thing. I think a lot of it is he's free where they're not. Like they they are, if you are, if you are on the side of the politically correct, then you are, it's like you're constrained by the weapon that you're trying to hit somebody else with. 
Does that make sense? Like you can't you can't profess the virtues of political correctness and overt sensitivity and not offending people and then come out and do it because you'll be a traitor to your own cause. So if you don't sign up to that politically correct mindset, if you don't fall into the I must not offend crowd, then you're really free. And they're not because they can't attack they can only attack you by saying how offensive you are. And if it's particularly unpopular at the time to be, you know, uh, politically correct, then guess what? Every single time that you you use the only weapon that you can, which is political correctness, you get less popular. And the person that you're attacking gets more popular just by the fact that you're attacking them. Because if you're saying that these people are so politically correct, like they, they can't say whatever they want, every time you try to attack the guy, you prove his point. You, you make him stronger. It's like trying to fire nukes into the sun and think you're going to blow it up. It doesn't work that way. You're just adding to the combustion. It's not going to stop. It's not, it's not going to stop. He's not going to slow down. The way these people approach it, they, they just don't get it. He, he's not going to just suddenly snap out of it. He's not going to start being what you want him to be. It's only going to get faster and harder. But they, they don't see that. They don't understand. So, that, I mean, because that's the bubble. That's the privileged bubble of going straight from college into a, you know, into the media and living in that environment and all of your colleagues agree with you. So. Worst fears. We know all of this. So it strikes me even more today is the crowd. These faces behind him look, as look. the president spoke last night. Look yes. At look at them. Men elbowing each other in laughter like. Ah, yes. Yes. This is what I always hoped would happen. We're going after the crowd now. Oh, we're, are we really? Are, are we really going to make this a battle of Trump supporters versus Democrat support? Is that what you want? <laughs> is that what you want to do? Really? Like, I mean, look, look how, look how awful the Trump supporters are, elbowing each other and smirking. Oh my God, it's awful. Lock them up. Lock them up. Lock them up. Yes. Look how look how how poorly behaved the Trump supporters are here. Oh, yes, please tell me more, Brooke. Tell me you, more. You'd nudge your buddy at a comedy club at a joke. Yeah. And women standing behind. And the you. women too. I'm a guy. Entire crowd cheering as if someone's life, her haunting oh. personal painful experience is all a show. Oh. All a political game, a punchline. And what startles me perhaps oh, the most no. is all these faces. Look, look to, at to them. your to the present. Look at their faces. Look at them. They're no <laughs> They're nudging each other. They're smirking. And yes, 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 my pretties. It's the women too. Presidents left or right. There's this little head sticking uh, up. Little head. A little boy. Oh a little no, boy there's the a little boy. Expressionless taking it all in taking on it all in the same day the president says young men should be scared in america ah a little boy yes listening how awful. to a crowd of adults cheering on this what the little boy should be getting taught is that you need to castrate yourself immediately because masculinity is toxic and the the sooner you start acting like a feminist young man the better it will be to disable uh, dismantle the patriarchy that's what we should be telling the young boys but no, 
we're attacking we're attacking the Trump supporters for nudging, smirking, smiling at what Donald Trump's saying. Okay. Beautiful. So, okay, let's look at the difference here. So, this is very dangerous for America. What this little boy is hearing at this rally, okay? This is very hor- this is horrible the way that these people are behaving at this rally. This is horrible from Donald Trump supporters. No problem. You went there, Brooke. Let's rock and roll. Democrat supporters. This is a Democrat supporter medley. Let's go. What's at stake is freedom for LGBTQ Americans, for equal rights, for civil rights, civil rights, voting rights, all rights. Hang on, I thought I thought women weren't allowed to be angry. She's screaming her tits off. Kirsten Gillibrand. I was misled by the Guardian and the New York Times and the Washington Post. They all told me that women can't get angry. That that was an angry woman, as far as I could tell. Don't you think she looks a little bit peeved? This evening to say we won't stand for Donald Trump's attempt to use the Supreme Court as a weapon against all of our progress. Ah. Uh. Got to go. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. Got to go. <laughs> well, that's that's perfectly normal behavior. That's fine. That's fine. I love Cruz's face. Look at him. He's like, oh, God, another idiot. In, in, in other countries around the world, uh, you know, in China, for example, uh, you... Uh, public... He's a threat, she yelled out. He's a threat to people with disabilities. This is, this is perfectly normal behavior from supporters. This, on the other hand... This is this has got to stop. All these faces look to, to your to the president's left or right. There's this little head sticking up. It's a little boy, a little boy in the background, oh. expressionless. It's awful. It's awful, Brooke. Tell me more about how awful the behavior is from Donald Trump supporters. Tell me, me more. even more today is the crowd. These faces behind him as the president spoke last night. Yep. Look at them. Yep. Men elbowing each other yes. in laughter like you'd you'd nudge Go your buddy in the a supporters, comedy club Brooke. in a joke. Go after the supporters. And women standing behind them, doing the same. Uh-huh. An entire crowd cheering as if someone's uh-huh. life, her haunting personal uh-huh. painful yeah. experience is all a show. It's awful. All a political game. A punchline. Awful. Line. It's terrible. Let me take you back to inauguration day. Burning cars and smashed windows. A small group of protesters dressed in black, their faces covered, armed with hammers and bricks. This is fine. This is normal. Facing this off with normal. thousands of officers on site, many in riot gear, confronting them with flashbang grenades and pepper spray. All of a sudden, the police officers started to spray pepper spray and they got our audio technician. This is, this is normal behavior. The nothing da- nothing dangerous about this at all. If, if only there was a small boy and someone saying something about having one beer and a rape accusation, then America would be under threat. 
before the swearing-in ceremony even began, protesters this tried is, to block checkpoints. This is just every day. This is a weekday in America. During President Trump's speech, several demonstrators were escorted. Look how tolerant they are. Several officers injured during the protest today, and more than 100 people arrested. Ah. Once the inaugural parade began, the newly sworn-in president facing thousands of peaceful protesters amongst Peace, his supporters. Peaceful. NBC's <laughs> Stephanie Goss was with him all... So peaceful. So peaceful. See, that's fine. But see, this on the other hand, this. Let's let's look at who the real problem supporters are. Today is the crowd. These look at the crowd here. Behind him, as the president spoke. Look at the faces. Night. Look at them. Look at them. Men look at them. elbowing each other in laughter, like you'd you'd nudge your buddy at a comedy club at a joke. How awful! And women standing this behind is, them, doing the same. This is An disgusting. Crowd. Disgusting behavior. These Donald Trump supporters are out of control. They are out of control. And good on you, CNN, for exposing this disgusting behavior. I, I for one, am happy. I, for one, am glad that CNN has the balls to go after the root cause of the problem. And that problem is the unacceptable, unallowable, disgraceful behavior of the Donald Trump supporters. Look at them. Look at their faces elbowing each other, smirking like they're at a comedy club. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Disgusting behavior. These people are reckless, they are wild, they are unhinged animals, sir. I'm glad that CNN went after the supporters. This, now let's get back to some normal supporters of the opposition. Donald J. Trump is now President of the United States. President of- <laughs> it never gets old, it never gets old. It never gets old. Sorry, I had to. I had to go there. President of the United States of America, Look at their faces. Look at their faces, Brooke. To play to their worst fears. We know all of this. Play to their worst so fears. What strikes me even more today is the crowd. Donald Trump plays to the crowd's worst fears. Look how afraid they are. They're, they're, they're virtually screaming into the sky. These faces behind him as the president spoke last night. Look at them. Men elbowing each other in laughter like you'd, you'd nudge your buddy at a comedy club at a joke. Yeah. And when today is the crowd. These faces behind him as the president spoke last night. Look at them. Look at the faces, Brooke. Look at the faces. What a great honor to be able to introduce for the first time ever anywhere the 45th president of the United States of America. Look at the faces, Brooke. Look at the damn faces. Make sure you look at those faces. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. To my world, I am so sorry. Sorry to, to the world. world. This is not what we want. Yeah. We will face There's challenges. so much we potential. Yeah. Look at the faces, Brooke. Look at the faces. Beauty and for devastation. Years, we in this one moment, it's just almost incomprehensible that they can exist right now. So. And we are grateful. So close. The very reasonable, very normal, 
very rational protesters. Burning cars and smashed windows. I was, sm- was going to say, look at the faces, but you can't really see their faces. You can't see their faces in this clip. I, I don't know. I don't get fashion. Um, you know, <laughs> call me some kind of bigot. I don't get. I don't get fashion. Some breaking news coming in now. This is uh, live pictures, and the camera is kind of on a swivel at the moment. But we've got quite a ruckus. Listen. It's a ruckus. Uh, arrests are being made. This is the, the Hart Senate office building uh, in, in D.C., the, the Philip A. Hart Senate office building, which is the third Senate office building and located at... You know, I don't want to sound sexist and I don't want to sound ageist, but to me, a lot of these angry liberal protesters do appear to be retreads from the 60s era. You know what I mean? I see a lot of baby boomer women at these protesters, at these protests. I know not all baby boomer women are bad, but it's like a whole bunch of them are just trying to relive the 60s, right? And so I guess maybe they can't have the free love and the LSD anymore, so they just get extra pissed, extra angry to make up for it. It's it's the cultural revolution again. I've been waiting 40 years for this. I can't wait to get out there. I can't I can't wait to relive the 60s. That's just what it looks like. Look at the face look at the faces. Look at the faces, Brooke. Look at the faces. Look at the faces. Second Street Northeast between Constitution Avenue and C Street. Uh, and a lot of protesters have been out there. They've made their way into the building. The police just a short time ago, as we were watching while you were in commercial, ordering everybody to cease and desist, I, I suppose, and then began making arrests. And they are making numerous arrests as the camera tries to get a focus on on all of this uh, as the news is breaking. That's a, a look up into the center of the building. There's a huge, if you've visited, you know, there's a place where you can congregate and hear, hear that area. Is. L- listen to the what sounds like a bit of chaos in there. Wonderful stuff. Thanks for going after the protesters, Brooke. That's thanks for going after the supporters. I, I was waiting all week for that Strikes green light. Me even more today is Just the one crowd. more, one more time, one more time. These faces Look at behind them. him Look at the faces. as the president spoke last night. Look at them. Look how awful it Men is. Men elbowing each other in laughter, like yeah. you nudge yeah. your buddy. And they're laughing, all right? Joke. They're laughing, all right? You know what they're laughing at? You know what they're laughing at? We haven't stopped laughing in two years. You know why? Look at this. Look at the faces. That's why we're laughing. That's why we don't care anymore. You know, that angry white male rage that I just read through, what was it, seven different articles about how women need to get angry? Okay, get angry. I don't even care. (laughs) I couldn't care less. I couldn't even care less. You can get angry all you want. I'm just going to be over here with the normal people, with the sane people, with the rational people. All right. I want to get to your stuff that you sent through on the Twitter. The Twitter. Thanks for joining us, by the way. Oh, this was sent through by WordSmiter. WordSmiter always has good insights. She knows the stuff. She's got a background in PR, so she she knows that I think we're on a similar wavelength with a lot of this shit. So 
Let me pull this one up for y'all. She was very happy with this. Money. 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 Donald Trump has been very, very good for baseball. He has been wonderful for the industry. Your boss acknowledged as much a number of number of months ago during the campaign. Les Moonves, Donald Trump, was, huh? It was Les Moonves who acknowledged it. Les Moonves it. also <laughs> acknowledged it, but so did the head of CNN. But that means that, what? That, that if ratings mean, are up, that means what? That oh, the ratings are up. It means you can't do without Donald Trump. You would be lost without Donald Trump. CNN's ratings would be in the toilet without Donald Trump. You've lived through enough presidencies to know Hold on a there second. will be more Brian, you just got owned, before baby. Trump and what are the ratings now? I would say uh, we might be true. up 20, we might be up 30%, we might be up 40%. If we go back down 40%, that's okay too. It's Ted Koppel, Sam. Uh, well, it may not be okay. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> no, but hold on. I, I reject the premise that these networks are making so much money off of Trump and thus we, we benefit from oh, it. I, tell me no, for no, no, a no, moment, no. if There's, you will. Let's... That wasn't the premise, Brian. His premise was without Donald Trump, you'd be dead. You'd be finished. You'd be in the toilet. You're benefiting from Trump because that's all you have. I know you say it all the time, Sam. I knew you'd like this. I knew you'd love it. This is exactly this is exactly the problem, Brian. Without Trump, you've got nothing. It's it, you're harvesting outrage, you're farming outrage. No chicken on your plate. Get away from CNN then, all right? Sensitive subject. No. Let's go to MSNBC. Is there a moment of the day <laughs> when they are not focusing on Donald Trump? or some intimately related subject? No, there is not, Ted. No, there is not. Uh, someone twice, uh, posted this the other day. I haven't seen it yet. He says this, and I'm quoting, We're loud, obnoxious drunks with prolific pukers among us. His own words. I'm so happy to I'm be feeling the love. Oh. Yeah, we'll see you guys. I know. Donny boy. They asked him about specifically, which really means vomiting or throwing up from too much alcohol. He said, "Oh, I have a weak stomach for things like spaghetti and ketchup." New Orleans is awesome. People are saying that I'm lit. Because maybe you were drunk that night, like she says, and then you wouldn't remember. He didn't want to give him that. You. Oh, Don. The last time I was at Tipitina was uh, when I was in college, and I ended up going home with uh, not a lot of clothes on. Oh, Don, and he's, he's drunk and escapades. I love it. Ever done anything like that? Usually, <laughs> very few. I don't think usually, one goes along it. with the other. Yeah. 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 Right, this is what happens when a lot of tequila happens. Griffin, what do you think? If you set yourself up to be a choir boy. There damn well better be evidence that you are. He's absolutely shit faced. Better be able to sing. Better be able. When is he exactly. not drunk? I got that bubbly. I got that. I got that. I got that bubbly. You haven't seen that? All right, you'll see it. I'll send you the thing. You guys know what I'm talking about at all. It's relevant oh. because there are whoever put this together is a genius. About the veracity of Brett Kavanaugh's claims David about Rutz. drinking under oath. David Rutz. How much he drank and how regularly and whether he could have uh, had blackouts from his drinking. I can't hear a damn thing. I know. So, I mean, seriously, having a moment. 2016, 
was awful. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's the kind of shit I like. That's absolutely sensational. All right. Sam sent this one through. I hope it's not a long one, Sam. I hope it's not a long one. Play, damn you. Well, it's not long at all. It doesn't even start. That's easy. Why are you changing? Oh, there's Sam. Hello, Sam. God. It's like living in the dark ages. Yeah, 26C was awful. It's champagne. You know what I'm talking about. This guy is a horrible drunk. Hey, there's a party. All right. Mark Blythe on the Brexit vote. Well, here, here's the thing. My, my side is I'm very pro-European, but I'm against the Euro. So if I still lived in the United Kingdom, I would have an interesting choice. So if you look at Larry Elliott and The Guardian, Larry has, uh, has said that uh, he thinks he should vote for exit because this might be the existential crisis that blows up the euro. Now, why would you want to blow up the euro? Because that will be terrible, etc., etc. No. Because the long-run effect of the euro is going to be to drive Western European wages down to Eastern European levels in global competition for export share with the Chinese. That's one interpretation as to where this all goes. And that's going to be fine for the Eastern Europeans coming up. It's going to be great for very efficient exporters in the north. It's going to be absolutely disaster for France and parts of Italy, if not all of Italy, and certainly for Greece. Yeah, but Greece now, needs to pay their debt. you have a system in which one side's running a surplus and the other side isn't allowed to run a deficit because of the rules, the only thing the other side can do is permanently contract their economies to allow someone else to make money selling BMWs. Yep, I don't Germany. see that ending well. So perhaps it's better to nip it in the bud when you've got the chance. Now, the thing is with Brexit, I don't think that's what the debate's all about. This is Trumpism. Everybody's got a version uh, of it. Oh, come on. Trumpism. Remember Donald Trump? Yeah, right. Okay. So <laughs> he well, had me up I mean until Trumpism. He... For the past 25 years, particularly the centre left has told the bottom 60% of the of the income distribution in the countries the following story: globalisation is good for you. It's awesome. It's really great. Mm -hmm. We're going to sign these trade agreements. Don't worry, there'll be compensation. It'll be fine. You'll all end up as computer programmers. It'll be fantastic, right? And by the way, we don't really care because we're all going to move to the middle because that's where the voters are and they're the people with money and they're the ones that we really care about. So you get the shift under Schroeder, you get the same thing under Blair to New Labour, whatever, and you make that move. And you basically take the bottom 30% of the income distribution and say, we don't care what happens to you. You're now something to be policed. You're now something to have uh, your behaviours change. We're going to nudge you into better patterns. It's true. Americans like to they say. have done that. It's a very paternalist, very patronising relationship. This is no longer the warm embrace of social democracy, arm in arm with so solidarity That's why with the working universal classes. Basic They're income there to be is policed and excluded in their housing estates so that you feel safe in your neighbourhoods, so that you can have your private schools, there they have their public schools, which you don't really want to pay taxes for anymore. So once this has evolved over 20 years, you have this revolt not just against Brexit, it's not about the EU, it's about the elites, it's about the 1%. It's about the fact that your parties that were meant to serve your interest have sold you down the river. Yeah, they're all the same. Think how ridiculous this is. Think of the Scottish independence thing, right? So oh, these yeah. guys vote to stay in because the entire British establishment links arm in arm and says, don't do it. <laughs> you gotta wonder why, because ultimately who's going to get hurt if they do it? People with money. 
So they're saying, don't do this, right? So, okay, they go, all right, then we won't do it, right? <laughs> so then this, the SNP, the anti-austerity party, are in there like, aye, well, we didn't win that, but, you know, we're still in power, great, on you go. Okay, so what happens next? Well, if apparently if there's going to be a Brexit vote to get out, then the Scots are going to vote to get back in. Okay, this is fun, <laughs> right? So you're going to give up George Osborne, who's an austerity chancellor, for who? Dr. Schaubler. So your nice little Scottish welfare state's going to be really well protected by the tender embrace of the Germans. Snap. How's that working out for the Greeks? Snap. Right. People aren't thinking this one through. This is basically a revolt against technocracy. It is a revolt against governance by unrepresented, unelected, undemocratic elites. And having had a government where every single district in your country says no chance, 61% say no chance, and then the result is we're going to do it anyway. You're basically proving to people that democracy is irrelevant. So this is global Trumpism. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, it's a no-win scenario until basically elites figure out that at the end of the day, as I like to say to my American hedge fund friends, the Hamptons is not a defensible position. The Hamptons are a very rich area on Long Island that lie on low-lying beaches. Very hard to defend a low-lying beach. <laughs> Eventually, people will come for you. Ah, oh, yeah. Very bravo. Well done. I loved it. I love it. Mark Blythe. I'll keep, I'll keep an eye on that. Very good stuff, Sam. Very good stuff. Everyone give Sam a round of applause. That was a that was a good contribution. I hope we see more of them. Fantastic. It's got a good point. I love the I love the low lying beach line at the end. See, this is this is a point I've heard before too about the elites. You'll probably appreciate this. Trust a Scot to make sense of the European Union. Well, see, yeah, this is the other thing, Pete though. The Scots, like what he was saying about the uh, the Scottish Nationalist Party, that just hits me very close to home. I have a lot of Scottish friends, so the, the the problem is for the Scots is they want nationalism, but then they want to be part of the European Union, and it's like does not compute, does not compute, my friend. You know, like we're all for Scottish independence. I mean, they've been fighting it, they've been fighting against the English for a thousand years for their independence. And now that they can't wait to become a German satellite state, it's it's incredible. <laughs> Eventually, people will come for you. Yeah, so <clears throat> that's a point I've often heard uh, about the elites, and you know they they'll have like the the armored redoubts, they'll have the high security, you know the, the security fences, they'll have the armored bunkers, but uh, the guys that drive your cars and the guys who patrol your boundaries. Uh, oftentimes going to have a family at home and those are the kinds of guys that you're going to be standing against in the future, right? So you're up, you're going to be up shit creek, basically. Pompeo calls S300 delivery to Syria serious escalation. So what happened here? On October 3, US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo told reporters during a press conference that the delivery of S300 long-range air defence systems to Syria is a serious escalation, according to the Jerusalem Post. Pompeo's statement is the first first official response from the US on the matter. A day earlier, the Ministry of Defense of Russia, Russia, otherwise known as the Donald Trump Lobbying Group, I think that's their new official name in Russia, announced that several S-300 systems were delivered to Syria, along with other military equipment, in order to ensure the safety of Russian service members in the country. The decision to supply Syria with this advanced weapon system was taken after the downing of the Russian 220 intelligence plane 
off the coast of Syria last month. Meanwhile, Israel's Defence Minister Avigdor Lieberman said that Israel is not happy with the delivery of the systems to Syria. Lieberman even vowed that the Israeli Air Force will continue its operations in the war-torn country while claiming that Israel has no other options. See? I think Israel, Israel can sometimes... Um, I, th- I think they can sometimes make things more difficult for themselves than they ought to be. Put it that way. Uh, winter vagina is coming. Yes, we will save that for the starting block. <laughs> Please. <laughs> the goats are being airlifted away from Olympic National Park as a result of their weird cravings. Now, see, this is the kind of shit I like. This is a, this this already has piqued my interest. Already my eyes have widened, my heart rate has increased, my sweat glands have started to kick in. Aggressive mountain goats are thirsting for human pee and sweat. The goats are being airlifted away from Olympic National Park as a result of their weird cravings for human pee, for urine. Okay, let's have a look. Airborne goats. Tom, Tom, this is in your neck of the woods. What the hell is going on with the goats, mate? What are you doing up there in that northwest corner? Seven hundred ungulates now with humans flooding the area, relieving themselves on various hiking trails. The goats have developed a thirst for urine which serves as a strong source of salt and minerals. Well, why are, we, why are we kicking the goats out then? Acting in concert with the National Park Services and the US Forest Service. I mean, if the goats are... I don't see the problem here. I mean, if people are urinating where they shouldn't urinate, but the goats are coming around later on to hoover it up, then what's the problem? It's a win-win. If the goats are getting salt and minerals from the urine and the, the humans are relieving themselves, then what's the problem? You know, I, there's nothing I don't... I don't want to see people pissing their pants and goats going hungry. This seems like a solution that solves itself. Why do we have to get rid of the goats now? It doesn't make any sense to me. In fact, we should assign more goats. Let's have goats roaming around hospitals. In aged care facilities. We can do away with the adult diapers. Just assign every old person a goat. Done. Problem solved. Now wildlife officials are having them airlifted out of the park and away from areas where humans roam and pee. That's horrifying. That's horrifying. It's not actually the sweat and pee that the goats are after, but what's inside it. Oh, yeah, it's never just the pee. <laughs> they don't want the pee. They want what's in the pee. Oh, thank, thank you for clarifying that. I, I, would, I had no idea. Here I thought that they had a you know a golden shower fetish or a golden puddle. It's the leg humping that follows. Goat is delicious. Goat's leg is very nice, slow cooked, very slow cooked in a stew. Very good, very fatty. The goats were introduced to the area that would eventually become the park about a century ago in recent years. Their aggressiveness has become a serious problem. 
The Telegraph reported that one hiker bled to death in 2010, but just one. Just one. Come on. Like, obviously, it's sad that a guy bled to death after being attacked by a goat, but it was just one. How many hikers have, you know, suffocated or fallen to their death or run out of food or gotten lost, been eaten by a bear? Come on. The goats, that's like, the goat is like the less, the least of the problem. Humans kill themselves more than goats kill humans. At least 375 goats will be airlifted to forests in the North Cascades. They're being moved. <laughs> They're being deported. Why is it easier for America to deport goats than it is illegal immigrants? Can anyone explain that to me? Yeah, I know. It was like 2010. So long ago. So one goat kills one guy in 2010 and they airlift all of the goats into a different part. But illegal immigrants are getting drunk and driving into people on, on crossings and oh, can't get rid of them. Can't get rid of them. That's racist. Where are the environmentalists on the goat issue? <laughs> I would fight a goat. <laughs> Goats would buck the shit out of you, man. So far, they all seem to be doing well. Colton Whitworth, a forest spokes, uh, service spokesman, told AP. It should be a fairly easy transition. Party animals. Goats thirsting for human pee. Cheerleader gave away pot brownies. Yes. I've actually seen this done. Um, an old guy I used to work with in his 60s, someone brought in um, hash cookies and he didn't know. Like, I've, you know, that's in movies and stuff and that's an old wives' tale. Like, oh, someone ate hash cookies and they didn't know. Actually saw it at work at lunchtime and he, he, he didn't know why everything was so funny. It was the sweetest thing you've ever seen in your life. Old guy just laughing at nothing. How crazy is the left? One goat death too much, but open borders are good. <laughs> James. <laughs> Authorities in Michigan are trying to figure out how the brownies ended up in goodie bags for high school football players. The Huff Po, Huff Po, bringing the bringing the big the big issues, ladies and gentlemen. Which allows people to pass along information anonymously. Let's go back and Alleging a 17-year-old cheerleader brought pot brownies to school. 17 for high school cheerleaders to bring goodie bags for the football team during homecoming week. But recently, some treats at Hartford Condoms, High School had a little something extra in them. Principal mentioned that they were getting some tips in about some possible uh, brownies that may have been laced Must be a with quiet county. oil. Must be a quiet county if this is what the cops are dealing with. Got a tip through the okay Honestly. To say app, which allows people things, to pass things are okay. Anonymously, alleging a 17 if this is if this is your hometown and this is a scandal, you're doing okay. You don't have much to worry about. You're doing just fine. Oh my god, it's like, oh my god, did you hear? What's that? What's what happened, Janice? Well, did you hear? One of the cheerleaders bought in pot brownies for the football team and they all got a little bit high. Oh my god, did somebody call the police? Right? In other parts of the country and in other parts of the world, it's like, oh my god, did you hear, Janice? No, what happened? Oh, you know the next door neighbors' kids? Yeah, they all got gunned down at a coke at a cocaine drug deal gone wrong. Oh, really? Oh, that's terrible. If only if only we could get cheerleaders who hand out pot brownies, then we'd be okay. Ten-year-old cheerleader brought pot brownies to school, some for football players. They say the leftovers were used to sway votes to become homecoming queen. The school is taking this very seriously. 
Um, they are uh, doing their own investigation. <laughs> investigation. And they're just starting to turn over some of the statements from other students, um, possibly involved or witnesses. Twelve witnesses. Have you found a witness yet for the potting? Three of them, leaving nine brownies yeah, unaccounted for and possibly consumed by students. <laughs> nine Those brownies were unaccounted for. The state police crime lab for testing to confirm there's drugs inside. I've read about things, you know, across this country. Um, it's not happened anything that, that I know of in this area. Um, I've been an officer a long time, and whenever you think you've heard it all, you know, something just about daily, you know, comes up like, wow. Yeah. The students Whoa. involved could be in hot It's a high-energy police department. Nine brownies were missing. Having them yes. and distributing them in a drug-free zone. They ate all the they evidence. <laughs> Officer Prince is now encouraging parents to talk to their kids about the issue. Well, I think they need to talk Stephen to says, I was in the marching band, and, but uh, LSD was students. a big thing. The games were fun. And if they think <laughs> that they possibly could be involved, then, you know, take them to the hospital, you know, and get them tested. Now, as for that student who's considered the main suspect, Prince Tell Suspect. Us that she Listen and to this shit. Are both out of state right now with what they're calling a family How is this even news? How does this get on TV? Return, uh, next week. Now, there's no word yet on any punishments, but the school did send a letter home to parents. Oh, uh, there was a letter. Uh, it's all okay. Of the students involved are going to be dealt with according. Oh, oh. <laughs> How does this get on TV? Putin goes bare-chested again for 2019 calendar. <laughs> HuffPo. HuffPo wins our, our source of the day today. The Russian president also showed off his softer side by posing with cute animals. That's lovely. <laughs> Not riding a bear this time. It's slow day. Slow day. Slow news day. Exactly. Vladimir Putin's annual calendar has hit the stands. And yes, before you ask, the Russian president has gone shirtless again. Let's take a look at the phallic President Putin. They do seem to love it, don't they? The calendars always fly off the shelves. It's amazing. She's saying, I love it. It's lovely. They do love their president, most of them. He's incredibly popular. He's incredibly popular internally. I wonder what would, what would happen if Donald Trump released a calendar. You think it would be super fun? You think if, if we had a sexy Donald, shirtless, maybe with a taco bowl? I, th I think it would be a hit. I think it would be sensational. Did you know most Russian men are dead by 55? Yeah, but you, count, you can't count the outlying areas. Shit, man. There's nothing going on out there. I, I believe the, um, the lowest life expectancy in Europe is actually in the east end of Glasgow in Scotland. And it's about 35, the life expectancy for a man in the east end, specifically the east end of Glasgow is 35 years old and they have more drug that's the stabbing capital of the world there are more stabbings in the east end of glasgow than anywhere else believe it or not that's where your mate's from that's where your mate talking about brexit's from no wonder he's pissed off <laughs> for the month of january you can enjoy a bare-chested putin taking an ice cold dip 
as part of the Russian Orthodox Church's celebration of Epiphany. They do have some strange rituals in the Orthodox Church, don't they? Those those guys. It's like, what are you doing, Protestants? Well, you know, at Christmas we wrap up some presents and the kids love it and we'll roast some nuts or something. And then at Easter we hide some chocolate eggs around the place and the kids go looking for them and we go to church and it's like, oh, okay. What are you, what are you doing, my Orthodox friend? Well, I'm stripping naked and diving into a pool of, you know, barely... <laughs> almost frozen water i'm diving into an ice pool to celebrate oh, i've heard enough i've heard enough you know how you can maintain your internal warmth in that situation lots of vodka just pumping vodka down your gullet but the calendar doesn't just show off how macho putin is oh that's a shame the political strongman sensitive side is also on display with one month featuring him cradling a puppy and another showing him cuddling with a leopard cub. <laughs> Better grab the 2019 calendars while they're still around. These bad boys have a habit of selling out. Wow. Excellent. I'm going to I'm going to put in a copy. Got put in for a copy. It's getting late. Follow Q posted this. Uh, Supreme Court, Ruth Bader Ginsburg said she's turned on by the Me Too movement. Oh, dear. Oh, you very saucy bird. You saucy old girl. I Ruth. am Ruth, really honey. turned on by this Me Too. Oh. Because uh, these Me Too complaints are every woman of my vintage. She's high energy, isn't she? Has not just one story, but many stories. Ah. But we thought there was nothing you could do about it. Boys will be boys. <laughs> so oh just find a way to get out of it. Uh, she looks in a prime to me. She's not going to be leaving the Supreme Court anytime soon. She's going to be there for the next six years. I can feel it. I can feel it. She's not slowing down, baby. <laughs> Jeez. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, ladies and gentlemen, the world's oldest woman. She's going to hang around. What else have we got? She's going to nap between words, <laughs> says Ben. <laughs> Ruth's libido was left on the back of Abe's train. James, horrible. She's going to pistol whip Kavanaugh. It won't be a pistol, though. It'll be a musket whip. She'll be musket whipping. Maybe bow and arrow whip, I think. Because you've got to keep it topical. Hatch, grow up. Ah, oh, libs. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. I saw that one. Juanita Broderick has a petition going around to bring Bill Clinton under an investigation of her rape. Can we talk about that tonight? Well, I mean, I do. You, are we thinking that people, like, are we thinking that Bill Clinton still is going to go down for... Um, you know, things that may or may not have occurred to women in his earlier, in the earlier part of his life. See, the thing is, the, the difficult part for this is, um, you know, I think there's a trap there for people on the right because you'll say, oh, well, it, it's not relevant without evidence. And then on the other hand, turn around and say, well, what about Bill Clinton? So, I don't know. 
there might be a petition, but nothing, nothing's going to come of it. I, I'm now at the stage where until I actually see politicians in handcuffs, then I'm not going to enter, entertain the idea that there's going to be politicians in handcuffs. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just saying I'm just going to wait and see if it happens. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Bin Laden's obituary notice in 2001 in an Egyptian newspaper. Is it the Bin Laden? Or is it just a guy like a copycat? A copycat Bin Laden. A funeral notice for Osama Bin Laden was published on December 26, 2001 in the Egyptian newspaper Al Ward. An English translation is provided below. Anyone fluent in Arabic is invited to verify or correct the translation. Osama Bin Laden is dead since December 26, 2001. Translation of funeral article in Egyptian paper. Bin Laden picked up over the weekend when Pakistan's President General Pervez Musharraf said he thought Bin Laden had likely died of a kidney failure. CNN medical correspondent Dr. Sanjay Gupta spoke with Monday spoke Monday with CNN's Paul Zahn. Yeah, I, I have heard the Bin Laden. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I've I've heard the Bin Laden stuff before, that he died years before, and uh, the videos were created and falsified to create you know a demon to keep the war effort going for a certain amount of time because they needed to keep the money rolling in to the Halliburtons of the world and whatnot. Got to had the got to had the people fighting for something. So, you know. How many times have you heard me mention Deb Roy? Watch MIT Media Lab's research. You will be able to know. And we'll Ashley just sent something in, so we'll get to Ashley's as well. You'll be able to know what moves they will roll out next. Okay? Let's have a look at MIT. Tom always sends good stuff. The ability to do the kind of computational social science that we just did in oh, this war. Oh, God. Um, because it's even possible to capture the massive amounts of data and to do the pattern analysis, to apply the machine learning and, and these sort of techniques and data visualization <laughs> techniques. Ben. Um, and also, um, you know... Ben in the chat says, I love, I love the callback, Ben in the chat says, drinking goat pee is really hard on the kidneys. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. <laughs> ah, I love a good reverse segue. Because it's even possible to capture the massive amounts of data and to do the pattern analysis, to apply the machine learning and, and these sort of techniques and data visualization techniques. Um, and also, um, you know, we, we really are fortunate to have had the support of Twitter um, who provided Hello. Uh, funding and access to data to our laboratory so we could do this kind of exploratory research uh, and shed light on really fundamental patterns of you know human behavior in the context of new technologies, and um, I think uh, it raises um, many questions uh, about the future for how the the nature of public discourse that we're all immersed in. Here it is. Uh, what might we do with this knowledge? Uh, certainly, mm. the work we've done to date. Predictive behavior programming, rather rather than rather than. Uh, be the kinds of leaders that our people like will change the people to accept the kind of leaders that we are. That's what we're talking about here. And seriously, um, you know, social media and stuff is good. 
and you can be somewhat of a virus in the in the system in the control system it is it is like a it's like a cobweb thrown over the top of society like little electrons sparking between all of us firing off um but once it gets into the predictive behavioral programming stuff uh you're up shit creek unless you learn how to unplug and not you don't have to unplug from the from the technology that's practically impossible in today's day and age but you have to be able to detach mentally and emotionally from the stimuli if that makes any sense at all if you can't do that then you truly are fucked <laughs> because in layman's speak what these guys are talking about here is they know what you're going to do before you know what you're doing and there's never been so much of our um, personalities and inner thoughts up in the ether in the in the you know in the cloud to use that term they know just about everything about you <clears throat> and once upon a time you know, a private eye used to have to go through your garbage bin to figure out the kind of person you are by looking at your waist and your bills. You know, oh, okay, so he eats this, uh, you know, he drinks that, he pays this much on this bill, this is a pay slip, and they can figure out a lot from doing that. <laughs> they don't even have to do that anymore. They just cross-reference one one. Uh, you know, demographic data point against another demographic data point, and then you'll end up in a, you know, a group of, you know, X percent of people who all have the same opinions and and then they can just provide you with little little maps, little predictive maps to steer you down certain rabbit holes and you end up where you end up. Stimulation is the only reason we like each other here. Yes, that and goat urine. Wait, wait, no, not goat urine. We like human urine for goats. <laughs> wow, that was nearly awkward. Um, is It's a piece of scientific analysis of these patterns, mm -hmm. but I think it absolutely raises questions, uh, whether it's uh, you're a policymaker, you're designing one of the social media platforms, uh, whether you're an influential voice on these platforms, such as a, whether you're a celebrity or a journalist or a newsroom, advertisers and of course the public themselves um, as we start to uh, understand uh, and sort of digest the meaning of uh, studies such as the one we just completed um, how to start translating those into new things that we try scary stuff this one comes from ashley from tennessee oh dear oh dear this is a little bit naughty Stewart County, Tennessee. Tennessee. Police learned that Kirby Wallace was seen crossing the Cumberland City Ferry back into Indian Mound on Saturday, where he offered a bit of a bribe. Ferry dockhand Brandon Wright said Wallace Admiral came onto Wallace the ferry. was seen oh, crossing the Cumberland City Ferry back into Indian we Mound. may as well listen to it Saturday. rather than me Stephanie reading. Langston is at the alert desk with more on that part of this story where Wallace was offered apparently a bit of a bribe, Steph. That's right, Haley. Would you believe Wallace apparently offered the deckhand one of these, a sausage biscuit. Ferry deckhand Brandon Wright said Wallace came onto the ferry and was driving a 2013... What was, what was he offered? Hang on. 13 silver Ford Fusion, which matched the... A sausage biscuit. biscuit. Ferry deckhand Brandon Wright said Wallace came onto the ferry and was driving a 2013 
silver Ford Fusion, which matched the description of a stolen vehicle from Clarksville connected <laughs> with a home invasion burglary. Wright says he asked me how my day was. I charged him. He gave me a tip, and then he asked me if I wanted a sausage biscuit. He did not take the biscuit. He let Wallace on the ferry and called authorities, stalling their route, but eventually let him off. And about five minutes after Wallace got off the ferry, he totaled that stolen car and then ran on foot. Now, according to the director of the Cumberland City Ferry, they are complying with the law enforcement. There you go. Criminal on the run. Criminal on the run. Offered the guy a sausage biscuit. How bad can he be? Really? You look hungry, sir. Would you like a sausage biscuit? Sausage biscuit. Let's have a look at Shanghai Dye. Shanghai Diane Feinstein or Dirty Diane, whichever one you prefer. I like Shanghai Dye better. Feinstein directly after she read the FBI report. Wow. And if you can't see, if you're only listening, there's almost tears. Faces, worn out faces, bright and early for the daily races, going nowhere. Yeah, it's not going to work out well for Shanghai Dai. Jesus. No expression. No expression. Hide my head. I want to drown my sorrow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The dreams in which I'm dying are the best I've ever had. Yes, I know that one of the biggest construction companies in the world. One wonders how much tax-free freebies. One wonders how many little perks and lurks and perks they've got along the way there, Lucifer Sam, comrade. One wonders how much they've got away with over the years. Times New Cover, how Christine Blasey Ford's testimony changed America. Let's have a look at this. Follow Q said anything but Ford. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think that's all we've done. Oh, okay. This is obviously a digital, digital cover. There's a lot of slogans flashing up on the screen. 100% anxiety, fight or flight, her lasting impact. Ah, okay. Yep, very creative. From Very creative from once was uh, an important magazine to now irrelevant. I mean, if you're happy about being on the cover of Time, then you share ground with one Adolf Hitler, who was on the cover of Time twice. So bravo, Christine Blasey Ford and Uncle Adolf. Together at last. Exalted company there, Dr. Ford. British royal family has first ever same-sex wedding. Okay. Okay. I can go there. 
Queen Elizabeth's cousin marries partner in first ever same-sex marriage in the royal family. Well, it's, we're breaching new ground. We had a half-black girl, which was going to end racism in the UK with the coming together of uh, Prince and Meghan Markle. And that was a tremendous time enjoyed by all. And now we've got a gay wedding in the royal family. I think it's wonderful. Wonderful stuff. Lord Ivor Mountbatten became the... Lord, Lord Mountbatten. Yes, Lord Mountbatten. Well, are we going to go out for a spot of fox hunting there, Lord Mountbatten? Why, yes, Lord Cobblepot. Shall we bring Lord Whipplestick? Yes, Lord Mountbatten. Lord Cobblepot and Lord Whipplestick shall be along shortly, sir. Do you want to have some gay sex while we're out fox hunting? Sounds wonderful, chap. Can't wait. I'll pack my arseless chaps. Chaps. <laughs> See what I did there? Mountbatten, a direct descendant of Queen Victoria and a great nephew of Earl Lewis Mountbatten, tied the knot with coil in a private chapel at Bridwell Park in Devon, England. The 55-year-old royal took to Instagram to share photos from the ceremony and the reception. Ah, oh, look at this. If there's, if there's one thing I know about Instagram, it's that the plebs on there sharing selfie photos of their own asses just love seeing gay people in the royal family sharing their love. They love it. What a weekend. Just coming down from the high now. Oh, isn't it lovely? Just gorgeous. I do love a wedding. Even ones with stuffy old white men. They're just perpetuating white men, I think. That's the problem there. You can't argue for capitalism or no capitalism. We have state capitalism. It's a different thing. Notice Mountain is his name. Oh, yes. Mountbatten and Batten. Prime Minister Shinzo Abe wants 30% of Japanese business leaders to be women by 2020. Here's how his womenomics is fighting the systematic exclusion of women in the country. This will be interesting. By 2020, Abe wants 30% of leadership positions to be filled by women. Just 30? He's urged listed companies to appoint women to executive and managerial roles. And he's working to fix Japan's daycare shortage while encouraging workplaces to be more accommodating so that mothers will feel more inclined to rejoin the labour force. This will be suicide for the Japanese. What he really needs, what, he's, what Japan really needs is Japanese women on their backs having as much sex as possible because their birth rate is declining at a fantastic speed. So you do... I, I, how is there... I don't understand how there could possibly be a daycare shortage. And they're not having any kids. So the Japanese women need to be having a, a shitload of sex and creating more children as quickly as possible. We do, they don't need women executives. They need housewives and lots of them. Share share, um, share, with, share your wife with your friend, even if you have to. The, the birth rates are going through the floor in Japan. But I like the fact, I like the fact that the Japan, uh, the Japan leaders over the years, they actually... See, in the West, we're kind of addicted to this idea of perpetual growth. And that's been a really good excuse for corporations and governments to impose upon us mass immigration policies. And like kind of to hell with the 
the cultural concerns, to hell with demographic concerns, to hell with infrastructure concerns. The societies are growing too fast for, you know, economics and, and the country to kind of keep up with it. So we can't build roads fast enough. We can't build the infrastructure that we need fast enough. So, uh, you know, hospitals are going to get worse. Waiting times are going to get longer. You know, the environment suffers too with mass immigration. That's a big concern. But the big problem is uh, the big corporations, the developers, I mean, they need they need more people. You need more consumers. Got to have more consumers because you've got to fuel this perpetual growth. Otherwise, the politicians would have to come out and say that they've overspent and fucked up for the last 40 years. That they've promised too much in welfare. They haven't done enough. And so the you, you know the mass immigration <clears throat> the mass immigration wallpapers over the cracks of a broken system a lot of the times. But Japan didn't go down that way. They prepared for it, so they knew twenty or thirty years ago that there was going to be a demographic crisis in Japan, that the economy was going to shrink as a result because the birth rate was going to fall, and they they prepared for that instead of fundamentally and dynamically changing their country forever as a result of you know installing some kind of mass immigration campaign that nobody ever voted for and then just blame and then just calling everyone a racist if they ask questions <laughs> they didn't have to worry about that in japan so good luck to them it is working sort of female labor participation rate rose from 46.2 percent in 2012 to 49.8 percent in 2017 but most of the women that have been added to the workforce are working in these relatively low-paid part-time jobs. And Although really Abe weird frequently porn. touts the success of womenomics, a closer look highlights a work culture that systematically excludes women. An expectation that women should stay at home and be primary caregivers has held them back in workplaces all over the world. But in Japan, that view is particularly deep-rooted. Yeah. Because it makes sense. A 2016 poll found that 45% of the men surveyed Damn agreed that logic. women should stay at home. Damn nature. Japan also has the third highest gender pay gap in the more developed OECD countries. Although companies such as Toyota are appointing female executives, change has been slow. Only 4% of the managerial positions are held by women in Japan, compared with 9% in China and 17% in the US. Just a tenth of the members of Japan's lower house are women, ranking the nation among the lowest in female political representation in the world. If you look at um, Prime Minister Abe's cabinet, he in fact only has two women at the moment out of 20, so uh, he's not really reaching his own target of having 30% of management positions taken up by women. Some say quotas should ultimately be legally binding for real change to come no. about. Such measures could have great economic benefit, including one rep... No, no. I can't believe this is Bloomberg. <laughs> I thought Bloomberg was all about economics. And here they are saying that uh, restrictive quotas imposed by government on corporations, not for anything useful, but just rather the amount of genitals, you know, in a ratio compared to other genitals that strut around at the highest levels of a company would increase productivity or something. Fucking garbage. I don't know what's happened down at Bloomberg, but... Maybe they've been eating the, uh, maybe the nine pot brownies ended up in the Bloomberg offices somehow. Perhaps. What have we got? Is that it? Is that, is that all of it? Uh, one more here from Kimmy. Oceanside students create deportation time board game. 
Oh, no. I'm offended. <clears throat> a class project at an Oceanside school stirred up some controversy as kids were supposed to create a board game and came up with one called Deportation Time. Aren't they wonderfully inventive? Why aren't they being praised After for their the inventiveness? After the got their project back, one of the students told his mom he was uncomfortable with it the whole time, especially uh, because it was only student. targeting Mexicans. Cesar one Chavez student. Middle School prides itself on a safe, positive learning environment. There's a middle school named after Cesar Chavez. Um, yeah, one student said he was uncomfortable with it, but all of the other ones were like, fuck yeah! You gotta go back! <laughs> this, is, this is the horror of Trump's America. ...environment that promotes respect, but a parent here says that wasn't the case in recent weeks. I screamed a lot of uh, expletive words um, and basically felt like I wanted to throw up because it was so uh, um, yeah. disheartening. Uh. That was this mother's reaction when her son showed her his group project. The assignment was to so create a board awful. game and the students designed one called Deportation Time. Basically, like, I wanted to throw up, yet if the kid came home with a picture of Donald Trump with a tomahawk buried into his head, she'd put it up on the fucking refrigerator. You know it's, you know it's true. I'm so proud of you, honey. He's so creative. He's so creative and inventive. Oh my God, he's so talented. Do you see how he captured the effect of the blood, Donald Trump's blood splattering on the floor? God, we need to enroll him in art school, don't we, honey? Yeah. Named as the desert and the Mexican flag. It just kind of made my stomach turn. Danielle, who did not want to give her last name, shared the game rules. The objective is to be the first player crossing the border into the United States <laughs> while trying to avoid border patrol checkpoints. And it's mandatory to blow up the border wall to cross. <laughs> I feel like the teacher should be held accountable for this ah. because one, she missed an Ah, she's a, she's a good comrade. She's a good comrade. My, my kid came home with an art project that I disagree with. We need to get rid of the teacher. Yes. You'd be well at home in Mao's communist revolution, comrade. Kill all the teachers. They're filling, they're filling our children's head with capitalist garbage. We need to get rid of the teacher. <laughs> See, what I've noticed, and I have a couple of friends who are teachers, what I've noticed that tends to happen is uh, the parents tend to blame the teachers and the teachers tend to blame the parents, right? If you've got kids coming out with outlandish, outrageous shit and you, you talk to the teacher about it, you're like, what the hell are you teaching them down there? And, they, and they'll go, hey, school isn't that big of a deal. Most of the schooling happens at home, which I don't necessarily believe. Um, if you've got outrageous, outlandish, communist comrade teachers circulating in your system, the reality is uh, the parents get up and go to work, the kid's at school for six hours a day, you might see your kid for like an hour or two at night when you have dinner and maybe watch a little TV or something, and that's it. So the odds are against you in that sense. Like, just think about it logistically. But then, like, the teachers always blame the parents and the parents always blame the teachers. So here's this one saying, oh, it's so offensive and horrible. I wanted to throw up. But, I mean, look at her. <laughs> look at her. I mean, do you think she's heavily involved in her, in her child's schooling? The, the idea of a... a 
fairly innocent board game, which was probably a bit tongue-in-cheek and a bit funny, has her wanting to throw up. How far do you think that her and her child get into the deep nitty-gritty of philosophical and political conversation at the dinner table? On a scale of 1 to 10, and 1 being the lowest and 10 being the highest, how many hours per week do you think she spends explaining hard topics and exploring with an open, inquisitive mind difficult conversations with her child? I would say not often. Not much. Just next time, kid, just come home with a game called Fuck Trump and it's just like two spaces. You roll a dice. Actually, you, there's six spaces on, on the board and all of them say you win. And it's like one, two, three, four, five. Whatever you roll, you win. Yay, I win. Okay, beautiful. A wonderful teaching opportunity to, to tell kids, you know, this isn't the correct way to think about this subject. Ah. Danielle says the board game theme was approved by the teacher. <laughs> they don't even they don't even know why. They don't even know why we're laughing at them. Did you hear what she said? This would be a wonderful teaching opportunity to teach the kids that this isn't the correct way to think about this subject. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, we need to get rid of the teacher because she's not telling my student how to think. She's She hasn't told my son how to think properly. <laughs> oh, bravo, comrade. Woo! Oh, yes. I can hear the Bolsheviks marching towards Berlin as we speak. Fantastic. Yes. A wonderful teaching opportunity to indoctrinate my child. And I, they need to get rid of the teacher because they haven't indoctrinated my child yet. He needs to be taught the correct way to think about immigration. The correct way. There is only one. There is only one way to approach this topic, sir. And you, sir, have not done a good enough job of entraining my child with the correct way to think. What is the correct way to think, you ask? It's my way. My way to think. If you want to know the correct way to think, you just need to ask me what I think. Because my way or the highway, sir. Teach my child to think like me or I will have your license to teach. You disgusting bourgeoisie capitalist pig. The correct way to think about this subject. Yeah. Danielle says the board game oh, theme yeah. was approved by the teacher. That and that she makes provided me hard. no comments when handing it back. More comrades. Danielle says her son tried to push the group in a different direction. I was really, really proud that he... Um, stuck his neck out there yeah, to show it did. to me, to show, you know, exactly why he felt uncomfortable. Yeah. And she's he was he was so brave in telling his mummy how uncomfortable he was at a board game. My fucking hero. All right, that kid's got a big future, I can tell. He'll be teaching the class next. <laughs> Him and mum will be up there teaching the class, teaching the rest of the student body the correct way to think. Absolutely sensational. All right, guys. Hope you had fun. I certainly did. It's been a hell of a week. If you want to keep up with the podcast, you can follow me at Boogie Bumper or you can go to Podbean or iTunes. Just look for Boogie Bumper on there. If you want to support the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper. 
Thanks to everyone who contributed. Thanks to everyone for the stories that you sent in. Thanks for sticking around and having a laugh. Until next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>